Broadcasting live from Global Headquarters and RP Enterprises in Greenwood, Missouri. Stand by on this frequency. After 22 years of entertaining FM radio listeners across the U.S., across the U.S., this man is the owner and executive producer of the award-winning Heartland Waterfowl on Sportsman's Channel, CEO and founder of Dumar Chemical Solutions, and the man behind the mic of Paparan Radio Voiceovers and Production. He's the man, the myth, the legend, a global icon, future Nobel Prize winner, and of course he paid me to say all this. Really? Literally. Welcome to the Papa Ron Podcast. Here's your host, Ronnie Phillips. Ronnie Phillips. All right, we're back. It's a special edition. Yeah. So excited for tonight. And though I'm also a little bit nervous because of today's episode or this week's episode nine of the Papa Ron podcast, I have a couple really great friends. I call them great friends, although I don't get to spend as much time with them as I would like. But every time that I am with them, there's this mutual connection that just feels very sincere and genuine and just... Warms me up inside, and I'm not even exaggerate when I say any of that. I would like to welcome uh, right away. We're just get get into it. We're going to welcome right away my friends Greg and Missy Smith. Welcome to the Papa Ron Podcast. How are you? Good. Thank you for having us. Yeah, you, thanks for having us. Well, I I thank you guys because um, this is going to be a tough conversation. As a matter of fact, I've thought about how I want to start this, and I've never done this before. And I almost feel like I need to start this podcast with a prayer. Never done that before. I'm uncomfortable doing it, but I just want to say a prayer real quick. And I want to say, dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for bringing all three of us here today and bringing all of the listeners to this podcast uh, this week. I just ask for you giving all of us the strength and the courage and the vulnerability and the trust in you that we are going to be able to have a authentic conversation this evening. And although there's going to be times where this conversation is going to be very difficult, we hope that it will be informative and instructional, and it will be able to provide healing, not for, not only for the Smith family and the people and the friends who are close to them, but also anybody else who may have been connected to Kelsey, their daughter. We also pray that maybe it might be, as I said, be informative and instructional for any parent or any person who's suffered from PTSD or any kind of trauma, and that the story that the Smiths might be able to share tonight might be helpful to them. Thank you again for bringing us together. It's all in your glory. Amen. 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 Wow. So, Greg and Missy Smith, the parents of Kelsey Smith. Let's talk about Kelsey. Kelsey was, um, well, you know what? Let's just do this because this is how I thought I was going to do it. I've normally scripted. I've, I've normally got a little structure here, but we're just going with it tonight. For those who don't know, Kelsey Smith was 18 years old when she was abducted in front of a Target uh, store in the middle of the day where she was later um, found dead and, um, and murdered and raped. So here's a little clip from the news that took place during that time. 
Our top story at 10, a young woman with a promising future is missing tonight, last seen at Oak Park Mall in Overland Park. An Overland Park family desperate to find their missing 18-year-old daughter. Kelsey's parents, Greg and Melissa Smith, um, both join us. This morning, a desperate search continues. The FBI, police, scores of volunteers, all looking for 18-year-old Kelsey Smith. The video even shows her paying at a cash register, but at no point does it appear she's being followed. But moments after she passed by this camera, police say she was kidnapped. It is an urgent effort to spread the word about Kelsey's abduction, and now it's out there in every form of media possible. You pointed out a certain cell phone tower where police believe the pinging came from uh, as her frantic family tried to get a hold of her on Saturday night. Is that the same cell phone tower that's to your left right now? Uh, I do believe so. It's, uh, we're just on the other side of it. Uh-huh. So this was, and they have gotten pings from several different cell phone towers. This was just the last cell phone tower that they got the pings from. At approximately 1.30 p.m. today, investigators discovered a body in the search area. Pending completion of forensics examination, we have reason to believe that we have found Kelsey Smith. In this difficult time, we are comforted by the words of Psalm 46. The Lord promises to be an ever-present help in times of trouble. Please keep us in your prayers. Thank you. Greg and Missy Smith in studio for the Papa Ron podcast, episode nine. And I'm, I'm so grateful that you're here. As a matter of fact, Greg is the one who reached out to me because I've done a couple episodes talking about PTSD. We're definitely going to talk about that. Greg has talked about his struggle with PTSD. Um, I'm sure you have some PTSD from what happened to your daughter, but you also you know, served in the United States Navy. You served in law enforcement for over 20 years. And so you've had your struggle with PTSD. We'll dive into that a little bit later in the show, but let's start off. Um, we know why we're here. You know, Kelsey is what brought us together. Kelsey is why you, uh, the two of you and I are friends from my days working at Q104 uh, and our involvement as a radio station to um, help bring the community together uh, during that very difficult time. Let's celebrate Kelsey right now. I'd like to know more about Kelsey. Um, I, you guys have obviously shared with me on a personal level uh, and private, but um, Let's let's talk about Kelsey and who she was. Who wants to start? I will. <laughs> Go for it. So Kelsey was the middle of five children. She's number three. Um, she was born in May of 1989. She had two older sisters, a younger sister and a younger brother. So she had a unique um, position in our family in that she was the youngest for a long time Mm -hmm. and then she was the middle child once we had the other two because she's six years older than her younger sister and then she was the oldest for a while in the home because the two older sisters had moved out and so she had a role in being the youngest the middle and And the the oldest and the (laughs) oldest yeah um she had a very outgoing personality but yet she was very responsible she had a job at amc theaters okay when she was killed and she um just a few weeks before she was given the opportunity for a promotion but it was really difficult decision for her because her boyfriend john worked at amc and so if she took a supervisory role she couldn't continue to date john that was the policy of the company? Yeah, it oh, was. Wow. Yeah. So she decided not to take the position because they were actually going off to college. Had they been together for a little while? 
Six months. Six months. Okay. So it was still, but I mean, you're 18 years old and sometimes you feel like you're in love after a couple you know, a couple oh, months. But in this case, I think it, I think it, I think he and she, it was, it was the real deal. Good. I really, really do. Cause I mean, the, the, the night that she was kidnapped, she was going out to buy a six month anniversary present, which I always say, I didn't realize that was a thing, but apparently <laughs> when you're 18, that's a thing. Yeah. Now they celebrate half birthdays too. I'm learning that <laughs> right. as a dad. Um, and he was actually, um, had bought her a promise ring oh, for wow. that night. Yeah. yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Do you still keep in touch with John? I miss that. I said, do you still keep in touch with John? I mean, uh, on social media, every once in a while, he and I may shoot a, you know, just a quick line. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think over time, not nearly as much, but I know at one point in time, not too long after she was killed, um, cause he was a fixture at our house while Kelsey was alive. Sure. Um, Daily. And I, I think coming to the house without her there was just too painful. I can understand that. And, you know, having to come to us and staying in contact with us, he's still friends with our daughter, Lindsay, but that's a constant reminder of what he has lost, and we wouldn't want that burden to be a part of him. You know, I'd sat down with him after she was killed and said, he will find love, and she taught him to love, and we would be okay with him moving on, and she would be okay with him not moving on, but moving forward. You Mm -hmm. never move on from something like that. No. You just adjust and adapt, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's get to know, so you talked about Kelsey, you know, having kind of a different dynamic, you know, being the youngest, the oldest, the the oldest in the middle and, <laughs> yeah. and all of that. So, she, you know, and that's what formed her, I would imagine, as a person and her personality. So let's talk about her passions. You know, what were the, I know you kind of shared with me in the past uh, in private, you know, that she was you know, uh, kind of a jokester and, and, uh, and just would like to have fun and joke around. So share with me her personality. Well, I mean, one of the things that she used to do to, it, it shows two sides of her. There's the side where she really cares about people. And then there's a side where she's just being ornery. (laughs) Um, because at school, um, at high school, any of her friends that had a birthday, she would buy however many, balloons they were so if they were 17 there were 17 balloons to take them to school and then they had to carry them around <laughs> all day long <laughs> they're stuck with them <laughs> yeah and then right. one of the last birthdays um she had bought a balloon that if you hit it it would start playing music so that was fun going through the school i'm school the school or i'm sure the school was just um, happy about that right and one of the things she would do too is if she would belch it just drove me crazy. I remember you telling me this. Yes. Yeah, so, so she would drink a Coke just to be able to burp. Like a, a man. Lavish. Yeah. And I'd say, Kelsey Ann. And she'd go, Mama May. So- <laughs> oh, that's good to revisit those stories. Did she, I know, I mean, we were talking before we started the podcast. Um, you know, I'm a big K-State fan. I, I've got a, a, a huge passion for music. I was actually in the band. I actually got a college scholarship to play music in college, uh, in, at Juco College, but um, junior college. But regardless, um, I had an interest in her story because she did have a big passion for music and was excited uh, prior to her uh, death that she was going to be attending Kansas State University. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a big, in fact, senior night in high school uh, during basketball season, they would bring out 
um, she was part of the pep band. She was also part of choir, so she was part of the group that would came out and sang the national anthem before the game. Oh, wow. And senior night, um, at that time, I was scorekeeper for the high school basketball team, so I was at all the basketball games. And they would bring them out to center court and say what their plans were for all that, and she wouldn't tell us which college she was thinking of going to. Did no, you she have kept it-, it a secret. She, yeah. Not even like you didn't have the top three or the top five. Like, well, we knew K State. It was either going to be K State or KU because John was going to KU. Yeah, oh. and Lindsay was at K State. Oh, her sister. Yeah. So yeah. it was kind of a matter of all right, which one? And I, I thought she was going to say KU to be with John, and when it, they finally announced it, it was K State. Well, part <laughs> of the reason for KU also is she went to all of the football games, or quite a few of them, mm-hmm. with Greg and her Peppy. So she loved KU football. We really thought she would go there. That must have been the one year where they were good. No. Like, this is why it. now we went. she wanted to go to K-State because she saw them getting just annihilated right. every single weekend. Sorry, no, I had to do it. My dad was a lifelong KU fan, <laughs> and, and uh, he was a football coach at Shawnee Mission West, and oh. he would go to all the KU games, and he would take me when uh, to most of them, and then we ended up getting – extra tickets and kelsey was like can i go and said, sure sure well i imagine if he, your dad was you said your dad right mm-hmm. was, i imagine if he was coaching at that level he probably had some kids that he graduated that went on to play oh yeah at KU. Oh, yeah. so that yeah. was fun for him to go on the weekends go and watch some of his old players play it yeah at memorial on stadium the, the senior night we both walked with her down to the basketball court and they say kelsey smith and they went k-state and greg just looked at her and goes what the hell? <laughs> it was that much of a surprise to him, and she just got a big old grin like, yep. <laughs> so you grew up as a KU fan then? I grew up as a KU fan, um, and uh, I didn't really become a K-State fan until Lindsay went there, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and um, and then, you know, Kelsey was going to go there, so it was like, you know, yeah, yeah, now you're in. Yep. Now you're in. Did oh. you have any allegiance or have a preference? I mean, obviously, if if Kelsey goes to KU, then she's closer to home. She's another hour down the road at least if she goes right. to K-State. So did you have, uh, were you kind of trying to push her in one direction or the other? Well, I, I'm an Iowa girl. Okay. And not to alienate anyone, but having moved here... I just thought K State fans were much friendlier. I did not have much <laughs> Tell me how good it is, interactions with KU people. Okay. So I was pretty happy <laughs> that she was going to K State. Plus, she'd be with her sister if anything well, sure. happened. Yeah, sure. yeah. Well, and I'll just throw this little nugget at you. If you're an Iowa Hawkeye, yeah. Is that what you're telling me? Uh, well, okay. yeah, I grew she's up not a an Hawkeye. Iowa State yeah. Cyclone. Okay, so if you're an Iowa Hawkeye, Bill Snyder. Yes. Came from Iowa, the University of Iowa, before arriving to uh, Kansas State. So, Yeah, it was Hayden Fry when I was growing up. That's right. Okay, sorry, I had to take a drink. Um, What other, so she had passion for music. She played the flute or clarinet? Clarinet. Clarinet, Clarinet, that's right. She Uh, was section leader. Um, Her friend Matt, when he became uh, a student in band at Shawnee Mission West, she went over to his house and had all of these like goodie bags and stuff. And Matt was one of those students that was not really outgoing in that. And she just would not let him not be involved. He was a project. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and during, during band camp, 
One day at band camp. That one time yeah. at band camp. Here we they go. They all came to our house to eat lunch and everything. She made sure everybody had um, a way to our house because we just lived a few blocks from the high school. And she mm. made sure that there were, was sandwich and, um, ingredients and stuff so everybody could eat at our house. What a gal. What a gal. Yeah. Did she have any other passions besides, I remember, was she just pretty much into music and well, choir? I mean, you had band. She was into choir. Right. Um, had Theater. A, had a Beautiful voice. I mean, yeah. unbelievable voice. And when she got a couple solos and she was in musicals and she got solos in the musicals and stuff, and she kind of liked to keep that a secret so that, you know. That was we, a secret, too. We'd yeah. be sitting there watching it all of a sudden. Surprise! Yep. She's yeah. on stage. Your daughter's a star. Yeah. Wow, that's really interesting because, you know, most kids, I, I'm kind of guessing here. But I would think I'm trying to put myself in, in the shoes of, you know, of my daughter or my son, you know, my daughter more so because she's old enough to where I think I know her personality. If she was going to get a lead role in something, she probably couldn't wait to come home and tell her parents. And I don't think that she, Kelsey was trying to keep something from me. It was probably no. her just fun way of having fun with you. And yep. I'm going to surprise them. Yeah. Yep. That's Absolutely. Very interesting. Very yeah. interesting. But, so, yeah. She, and she was in theater. She ran track. Um, was she good in sports? And she was she was an athlete. Um, she loved to run. Like she would run eight miles a day, and she would bring our dog back and complain that the dog couldn't keep up. She ran eight miles a day. Yeah, she was long distance runner was her thing. I mean, she just did that on her own, not as a competition. Not all the time, right? Yeah. No, I understand. But she would okay. she would run almost every day, at least a couple miles. Wow. But yeah, she liked to go long distance, and I do remember one time. She came home after about four miles with our dog that we had, and she goes, he can't keep up. <laughs> <laughs> and she dropped him off, what and kind she of dog? went back out and took off again. What so. kind of dog is it? Was he? Oh, um, she? He, was a, he was a mutt. He was a lasso-opso okay. something. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, I, mean, I was, was going to say, I was just curious at what kind of athleticism of this dog we're talking about. That, she, that we're compared, puppy. Right, because yeah. if it was a, a golden retriever or a lab or something like that, and she couldn't, and that dog couldn't well, keep up was, with Kelsey. He was then. a cross between a lasso-opso and a lab, wasn't it? I don't remember. It, but it was some weird cross. So okay. you have this tall dog that looks like a lopso. Also, so, Interesting. Yeah. Long hair. Yeah. I was just curious of the athletic nature of the dog breed. Um, that's it. Um, <laughs> I what, wouldn't know. That's okay. What um, did Kelsey, you talked about her kind of keeping things a secret from you to surprise you later. Did she take that same route as, as far as what her... Um, career aspirations would be like did she did you know what she wanted to major in at k-state i mean she talked some about she was interested in medicine um and she talked a lot about human medicine and but she also talked about veterinarian medicine um and at one point she made the comment to me that she would rather not cut people open mm. <laughs> so i think she was leaning towards veterinarian medicine but i I can't say 100% that's where she would have gone. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. She worked also for a veterinarian, Dr. Teeter, at Mall oh. Hills Animal Clinic. And her grandfather and grandmother were very much into animals. And she really had a passion for him. And one of her friends, Kristen uh, Greesemer, well, her maiden name's Greesemer, um, was going to K-State also to be a vet. And Kristen is a vet now. She is now. a vet now, yeah. Yeah. And let's face it, I mean, this is probably why she picked K-State, of one of the many great reasons, but they have a great veterinary school. Yep. Well, they, they do. Right. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that yeah. probably played into factor with all of that. Is there anything else that you guys would like to share 
Um, we're going to talk about a lot tonight. And I've actually, as I didn't have this planned in, you know, premeditated, but as I was sitting here talking, you know, I typically do this show where I stop down, I break, and I throw in a few little commercials. Tonight's going to be different. Tonight, we're not going to do that. We're just going to keep rolling on with the conversation. And so before we move on to, I guess it was June 2nd, 2007, it was. before we get into that dark moment, is there anything else that we can do to discuss and celebrate the life of Kelsey Smith? Well, I think her car is is a, another one of those hilarious stories. Let, bring, put it on me. So she had a 1987 Buick Regal. Mm-hmm. She bought it for $400 mm-hmm. from the original owner. It was my little sister's uncle-in-law. Um, and they lived in Nebraska. Okay. And my sister called me because she knew Kelsey was looking for a car right before going to London with the marching band. And she said, hey, Bob, Kelsey's uncle, Bob, Mm -hmm. um, his uncle is selling his car. And I know Kelsey's looking for one. And I said, okay. So my sister describes this car to me. And she says it's a Buick, I think Skylark or something like that. A sleeker, sportier kind of car. She said it was a Malibu. Oh, okay. um, (laughs) I mean, that sounds cooler, right? Yeah. And so when we're... I told Kelsey, you know, hey, Aunt Rhonda's got this car. Let's go look. If you like it, we'll bring it home. And she's like, okay. So we're about halfway to Donovan, Nebraska, which is an hour past Lincoln. And my sister's calling me and she's asking, hey, are you guys on your way? Yes. And she said, now, are you sure she's going to be okay with this car? And I said, yeah, I pulled it up. I looked at it for her. Mm-hmm. And she said, whatever it was again, the 87 Buick malibu or something and i hear my brother-in-law say no that's not what it is it's a buick regal and <laughs> i knew then this was a big box car yes yes so kelsey i said to her okay if you don't like the car you don't have we to don't have to get it we yeah. spend the weekend with aunt Rhonda. sure but it's four hundred dollars right she loved the car like it became the car <laughs> this big boat that all oh sure i remember i remember i actually had a crush on the the mid 80 buick regals yeah i i yep. totally remember that we still have the car you do yeah zach our youngest yeah. son that was the one thing that's what he wanted at kelsey's was the car huh. so, so he still has it it's gotten a new transmission it's gotten a new engine uh-huh. and it needs a new paint job but we it need, still it needs have. a new body work, is what it needs. <laughs> well, it's 1984. I mean, do the right, math. That's, right, right. I, I was but born yeah, in still, 75, still so, like, it's nearly 35 years old, right? Yeah. One of the things that happened is her Uncle Bob, he's a mechanic, so he put a new radio in it for her before we left um, Nebraska. And she got home and went to AMC. I told you she worked there. Sure. And her first night driving the car to work, Someone broke in and stole her radio. No. Uh. <laughs> so, yep. so then she had to buy another radio, and it was a running joke that she spent as much on radios as she did the car. <laughs> I bet you that's true, too. It is true. Yes. Yeah. Oh, gosh, that is too funny. So $400, and she had a car. And she loved it and took great care of it. And oh, it was, she did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else? Anything else that comes to mind? You know, I'll, I'll, and let me help you with this, because when I did the, um, and we'll talk about you running for um, Kansas State Senate, um, and I was involved with that from producing a campaign video for you. Uh, when we made a video for that, you were talking about um, Nancy Gray 
I say that right? Nancy Grace. It's Grace. Nancy Grace. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And she had made a line in one of her TV shows that you felt like kind of epitomized who Kelsey Smith was. Yeah. She um, described her uh, in her monologue before the interview with us actually, and called her that she was said that she was scrubbed in sunshine. Mm-hmm. And I, that's, that's a really good, um, really good description of Kelsey. And it's you, you talk about relationships and people that you meet. Mm-hmm. Um, I now am a guest panelist sometimes on Nancy Grace's podcast. Really? Uh, she does um, unsolved crimes and things like that. And, and so I'm, I'm part of that. <laughs> and if I wasn't nervous enough already to do this podcast, this now I know. What podcast, <laughs> right? yeah, but, but I just want to make it clear that while she was scrubbed in sunshine and was all, you know, fabulous at times. I didn't say she, she had was a mouth. perfect. I right. just said she, <laughs> she was a teenager with a mouth and she could get real pissy. And if yeah. she was hangry, hangry. which happened, yep. oh my gosh. Hangry. Yeah. Meaning that well, she I was do. hungry. Her, yeah. her bedroom was downstairs. I, I built a room downstairs for uh, her own bedroom. And I, I was down there. I didn't, at that time, I didn't have an office, but I had a computer down there and a desk and stuff like that. And I remember one day she came down and I heard the basement door just boom. Whoa. And she's stomping back there and she's into her room and all that. And I'm like, what's going on? And she goes, that woman, your wife. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what they were arguing about, but it was, I was like, oh, Uh, she's your mother. (laughs) Man, something tells me my daughter's going to be like that. As you might remember, she was just down here before we started this podcast and she was talking about my son getting into some stuff and she was like, she says to my wife, mom, you have a son. (laughs) He's getting into stuff. Do something. Be a mom. Anyway, not to make this about my kid, but I can just see my, my daughter having the same mouth on her. So, um, I wish uh, that I could have known her because it sounds like that whoever knew her, whoever encountered her, um, she made a everlasting, long lasting impression on them. And she probably didn't know a stranger. She was just that type of person who could walk into the room and then walk away with uh, a, a, a room full of friends. It's, it's funny you say that because that is what Greg said at her funeral. Mm. Yeah. That is pretty much word for word what he said. Yeah, I, I yeah. wish I could have known her. Um, it did bring us together, and and for that I am. Um, I know it feels kind of sick to say it like that, but you know what I'm saying. I'm just honored to call yes. you guys friends. Um, so let's rip off the band aid, as I like to say, and um, let's get into the meat of it. Um. So it's June 2nd is when this happens, right? 2007. Yep. It's the middle of the afternoon. As I understand it, she tells you uh, she's going to go out and, as you said, go get a gift for John. She's going to run a Target. I mean, what time of the day was it when she was abducted? It was it was 7 o'clock in the evening. Oh, okay. So uh, I was thinking but, it was earlier in the afternoon. But, but it was it's June, so it's bright, sunny. It outside. is yeah. bright, Still, sun, still yeah. sunshine and all that kind of stuff. And actually, that day... Um, I had taken the kids to old Shawnee days. Oh yeah. And so we'd been at that whole thing, riding rides and doing all that kind of stuff. And that another example of Kelsey's personality, her older sister, Lindsay <laughs> does not like heights, <laughs> but we managed to get her onto the Ferris wheel. I mean, just the Ferris wheel, you know, this is yeah. not any wild ride or anything like that. Kelsey is in 
the uh, gondola. gondola with Lindsay. And as it gets to the top, she starts, starts rocking it, rocking it like that. <laughs> and she looks back at me. I'm behind him, and she's looking back at me, and she goes, "She's, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah." <laughs> and she thought it was hilarious. Did Lindsay, you think it was funny? What's that? Did you think it was funny when she was I doing it? Was, I thought it was absolutely yeah, hilarious. Yeah. I mean, was there ever times where you were like, okay, because it sounds like this was like, you just never knew what to expect from her. Maybe like she, she wasn't predictable. Let's just say she was a very, she was unpredictable with her sense of humor. With her sense of humor, but also very responsible. One of the yeah. reasons when everything happened with her, that the police took us seriously is if Kelsey was running late, mm. she would call or text or something and always let us know where she was. We had a rule in our house. If you were late, you were grounded two days for every minute you were late. Wow. It only takes once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, she mm-hmm. was um, at the park one day and had come home to the uh, front yard but didn't let us know, and so she was late, and I was like, you're grounded. And she's like, wait a minute. And yeah. I said, nope, you didn't tell us. Like, you're yeah. late. Yeah. So it just takes one time. Love hearing parents who hold their kids accountable. That's really cool. Yeah. Which I so, feel like is something that's lost in society today, but that's a whole other show. Um, so, yes, very <laughs> unpredictable in ways like that, but very predictable yeah. and very, very responsible. Sure. Yeah. I mean, had a great work ethic and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So. When, uh, so... This June is 2nd. The, yep. June 2nd, 2007. This is where it's. I, I'm going to be challenged as a podcaster to ask the tough questions, being a, I'm a new podcast host. Um she goes and she doesn't come home and you can't get a hold of her. Um, I don't know where you'd like to start, but um, what are the kind of walk me through the events of that evening? Yeah, we got back. Like I said, we went to old Shawnee days. We got back. I was making dinner. Missy was actually out of town. She was in Iowa. Um, one of her friend's kids was getting married. And so she was up there for that wedding. Mm. And mm. Um, Kel said, Hey, I'm leaving. I I got a. Uh, there were still I don't know graduation parties. It was yeah. just nine days after she graduated from high school, so she was going to a pool party someplace, and then she was going to come back and meet up with John, and they were going to go out for dinner or whatever. And so she comes home because she forgot a CD that she wanted in her car, and she said, "Hey, I'm going to Target. I got to get John's gift, and I'll be back. Love you, Dad. See you later." And I said, "Okay, I love you, baby." And that's the last time I talked to her. She was she was out the door. Missy talked to her on the phone at Target because she was looking for a certain gift, and Missy knows where everything is in any store in the Kansas City metro area. My wife is the same way. So, <laughs> so, so they were actually on the phone, so Missy's the last one that actually, from our family, that actually had any kind of conversation with her. So she um, was looking for a box for John, like um, to keep his cards and stuff in. That she had given him. Gotcha. He, his mom had accidentally thrown away a card. Kelsey had written to him. Yeah, I see the look oops. on your face. Oops. Oops, big oops. So she was going to get him a box that he could keep everything in so his mom would not throw it away. Yeah. It was more. So that's like probably, the diary that you don't open, you don't touch, you just stay away from, right? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So she called me to say, hey, mom, where is this box in Target? And I said, well. Um, I told her where I had seen it. I, I was at a different Target when I saw it. And so she goes, no, I'm not at that Target. I'm at 
the one by the mall. So we knew exactly where she was when everything happened. Mm -hmm. And I told her, go look in scrapbooking aisle and you can probably find it there. And she said, okay. And we talked for a few more minutes. She was only in the Target 11 minutes. So um, I said to her, bye, baby. See you when I get home. Because I was on my way home from Des Moines. You were driving back? Well, that's another one of those where God protected me. Because I was in Des Moines, took our van that nothing had ever been wrong with it. And I'm getting ready to leave. And my car isn't working right. So my dad looks at it and he's like, honey, your engine's gone. And I'm like, what do you mean my engine's gone? So my girlfriend drove me home from Des Moines. And... That's when I got the news that Kels wasn't coming home, or not coming home, but she wasn't home. Lindsay called me and said, hey, Mom, have you heard from Kels? And I said, "Um, well, she was at Target. And she goes, I said, call John. She's supposed to meet John. And Lindsay said, Mom, John's here. And Kelsey's not answering her phone. And my immediate response was, tell your dad, call the police, something's wrong. Yeah. We knew. We just knew from her you know, the way she was. Something was wrong. <sighs> I can't even imagine as as I'm doing this interview, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes and it's just absolutely impossible because I mean I, I can as a parent I can have the fears and and I know that there's evil in the world. But until something like that actually happens, like you try to run through your mind when you hear about these stories and like, how would I respond? How would I act? You don't, I mean, you think you would respond a certain way, but you just really don't know. Or I, I personally don't know that I would do exactly what I think I premeditated would do until I'm in that moment. Well, it's probably kind of like, I remember seeing your parents were going through the tornado situation. Oh yeah, yep. and you couldn't get a hold of them. So, so what Missy's talking about is my hometown is Marysville, Kansas. And a couple of weeks ago, um, a tornado hit our town. My dad and I were in Arkansas on a fishing trip. Um, it was kind of a Father's Day weekend getaway. And when we got the news that Marysville had been hit uh, in town with a tornado and there had been damage, we were naturally trying to get a hold of the loved ones back home to see if right. everybody was okay. But the cell towers were down for a, you know a short period of time. And we couldn't get a hold of anybody, so it was immediate anxiety. So when I read that, that's what I thought. Really? I thought of Kelsey wow. and that angst that you have mm. and that unknown and just trying to do anything and everything you can to yeah. hear from them. That's where we were. So you kind of do know what we were going Well, thanks through. for putting it into perspective for me because, yeah, um, I think it would be different, though, if it's your kid. Probably, I mean, yeah. I don't want to say I don't love my mom. I love my mom, but <laughs> I think it would be different if it's my, if it's Reagan, you know, it like is. it's my child. She's still living different. under my roof. I'm still her guardian. It's my responsibility. Right. You know, I'm, this is what I'm thinking in my head. It's my responsibility to keep her safe. You know, those are all the emotions and the things that I'm going to be thinking. So I think the dynamic would be just a tad bit different. So, um, so she's missing and, and, you know, you're, you're hopeful. You're hopeful that, okay, maybe something crazy has happened and she's going to walk in the door. She's going to be late and man, we are going to ground her. Uh, You know, like she's, you're hopeful that that's what's going to happen. But then the night comes and the night goes and the next morning comes and she's still not there. And now you're probably really on high alert. 
We but, were on well, high alert that evening. Yeah, I mean, it, it didn't take long before. It didn't get worse. As I mean, I, I'm, I'm again, I'm only asking because I'm anticip- I'm trying to like put myself in your shoes. Like you're 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 kind of thinking as apparent. Like you said, she's responsible. She's always done. But you got that maybe that hope that she's still going to come home tonight. And when right, she right. does it, and the next morning comes, that would think for me that's when you go whoa. It, well, there were there were stages involved because, like. When after the conversation that Missy had with Lindsay saying, well, you know, Kelsey's not here yet. John's here. We don't know where she is. Um, we knew that she'd been at the Target. So Lindsay and John went out, drove out to the Target. It's, I don't know, eight minutes from our house. It's not that far. How and, long ago was this after she wasn't where she needed uh, to be? Maybe because 30, 30 the minutes. car did eventually come back to that vicinity at the yeah. mall that across night. the street yeah. that night, right? Maybe maybe thirty but minutes. But the car, she's so late. the car wouldn't have been back yet then. Yeah, thirty minutes. She hadn't been home when she was supposed to, which was very unusual. One of the things that was running through my mind was that same year, school year, that eighty-seven Buick starter quit, oh. right? And it broke down on her at a, after a football game, and she was stuck. Um, and so I thought, well, it's an old car. Maybe something happened to it. And But when I was calling her on the phone and texting her, she wasn't answering me. And even if there was something going on where, you know, she and I weren't seeing eye to eye, she would not ignore a text from me or anything like that. And you got to remember, too, this is 2007, and, and cell phones aren't ubiquitous. I mean, they aren't, mm-hmm. you know, a part of our daily life like they are now. They were for an 18-year-old. But, sure. Um I mean, that was back when you had to pay for text messages. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't have the screen where you could get online and, and right. there, you know, do the Facebook stuff and the social yeah. media. It was a phone it, and you could text. And text, and that, and that was, was it. it. And that was it. Well, Maybe it, play a game like bowling or something right. like that. And texting, you had to push one like three times to get the A, the B, the yeah, C. Yeah, there wasn't a key. Oh, yeah. You know, you, right. were, yeah. you were doing the, the phone do keyboard. The flip there phone. wasn't an alpha keyboard. It was alpha a flip phone. Keyboard. Yeah. Let, me, let me ask this, and this is kind of a curious technical question, but did there come a point where I'm guessing you guys never stopped calling, right? Every hour, every day until she was found, you just never gave up. Was there a time where the phone rang and rang and rang and rang and never answered, went to voicemail, and then it came to a point where the phone is dead and it's just going to voicemail? Yes. Yep. Wow. Um, um, but... Anyway, we couldn't when we weren't getting a hold of her. John and Lindsay go out looking. Um, I called, or maybe Lindsay called. I don't remember now. I got a hold of my parents. They lived out near the Oak Park Mall and the Target and all that kind of stuff. So my parents are driving around. Um, I'm talking to Missy again on the phone, saying, "Hey, you know something's not right." And I'm calling police departments because um, I'm a local officer at the time. So I'm calling different departments, saying, "Hey, have you?" had contact with his car, you know, has there been an accident, uh, calling every department around the area from Overland Park, and nope, we haven't had a traffic stop, we haven't had anything with it. And then Greg's parents got to the mall, and his mom called me and said, hey, does Kelsey's car have a Nebraska license plate on the front? It, I told you she bought her car from yeah, her yeah. uncle-in-law in Nebraska. And I said, it does. And she said, it's near the Macy's store in at the mall. So then Greg had spoke to Lindsay and John, and they went right to the car. Timeline now. Where are we at in the two time hours, of the day? Two, two hours, hours later? Two and a half hours after she w- went missing, or after I talked to her on the phone. So almost immediately. What was the time from when she had walked out of target to when she was quote unquote missing. Well, 
how much time did it actually take or how long did it take before we actually knew she'd been abducted? I guess what I'm saying is at what time did you start, when, when was it that you were starting to ask questions? Like, why isn't, why haven't we heard from her? Yeah, because it was, it happened just a, uh, it happened at seven eleven. Uh, yeah. Just right, a few minutes yeah. after seven and she was supposed to be with John by seven thirty. Seven thirty. I think so, they were supposed to go out at seven thirty. So okay, so like so then from seven thirty, thirty minutes later, or t- I'm sorry, two hours later, that car's back in the parking lot. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yep. Right. Okay. So um, then you're going naturally to the car. Right. And and I called the police. I had called the police and told them. I said, hey, that we found the car. Told them where it was, and so they were on their way to meet us out with the car. So and I think that was about ten. That nine, we got nine forty-five, ten o'clock, somewhere in there. Um, so anyway, but we all converged, and there's there's the car. Um, but one of the things that where Greg was, in all honesty, the hero in her case is John got wanted to get into her car, and Greg said to Lindsay, "No one opens that car. You do not touch it," hmm. which saved the fingerprint of the person that killed her. That's where I was going to go next with this. Um, was there, when you got there, and smart on you, naturally you would know that, you know, with all the years that you served as a law enforcement officer. Um, so awesome that you were able to recognize that. But I'm guessing if, again, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes, you know, a loved one, I'm finding my daughter's car. I want to know, like, I'm looking in the windows. I'm, I want to see at least what can I see? Does anything look suspicious? Did anything well, look suspicious from the outside? Before we got to the car or started looking in the car. I was walking around the mall. We all were. We were looking in dumpsters. We were looking behind bushes because her car's there. Did she get hurt? Did someone hurt her? Where was she? Sure. And the first officer on the scene, um, Officer Coos, I said to her, I have looked in every dumpster and behind every bush and I can't find my baby. And Michelle said to me, when she heard that, she knew (gasps) something bad has happened. And then the police were at the car, and Greg pointed out to him, something's hanging out from the trunk. And so we're standing there waiting for them to open the trunk of her car. And in some ways, you're praying that she's there. But in other ways, you're praying that she's not. And then when she wasn't, I mean, there was just, my stomach fell because, again, where is my child? Naturally, sure. Was there anything suspicious? I mean, did it, I mean, I mean we, she's we this is our car that she loves. There's, there's a, it's like a paper hand strap from a bag, grocery bag or something hanging out the back of her car, which that would never happen. With would Kelsey. never happen with her driving the car. Nothing would hang out of the trunk. I'm not saying the inside of the car was clean. We're talking a teenage girl. Sure. But, um, Oh, it was a disaster. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was re- the way you talked about it. I thought it was going to be like impeccable. Like, oh no, no, oh, no, 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 pristine. No. But it, okay. it would not be anything hanging out where people could sure, see it. Sure. Um, so my immediate concern was that she was in the trunk, um, and then the the police are doing in the opening and then, and I mean, I'm I'm doing yeah. this. Oh my gosh. You know, while they're opening the trunk, and I kind of looked, and she wasn't there. Um, like Missy said, though, it was, there was a relief that she wasn't there, but my, you know, my whole countenance just fell because she wasn't there. Do we know why the bag was hanging out? I mean, was, was, so still don't know. There was nothing would have been, I don't know if the, the, the guy that killed her was rummaging through the trunk looking for stuff and it just happened to 
you know, hang out. I don't know. I, have, I don't have any idea. Well, and she had just loaned the car to her uncle because my little brother came in from Georgia to see her in her final performance at um, at the high school. And mm-hmm. then he wanted to go see family in Nebraska a few weeks before she was killed. And she's like, oh, Uncle Tim, you can take my car. And he was like, are you sure? And she said, yeah. So she had taken, you know, those yellow trash bags. Yep. She had two bags full of stuff that she emptied out of the car <laughs> for him to borrow it. So <laughs> she was trying to clean it up a little bit. So she didn't so, wasn't so embarrassed. Yeah. Gotcha. So I don't gotcha. know if maybe, you know, when he, mm. she got it back, if she was throwing stuff in there, uh, who knows? Yeah. So the, the car's back and, they're naturally, I would think the forensics team is going to show up now and they're going oh, to they dust the heck out of it. Yep. Now, I don't know anything about that. I've watched a few CSIs, you know, and a few movies. Is it is it like what you see on TV in, in, in the movies? They they take the, the tape and they basically clear off the scene, make sure nobody can come within that parameter. And there's people there in white suits and they're yes. in there with masks and they're doing... All yes. the tests and the black lights and all of that stuff. Kind of, were there, you allowed being a former officer? Actually, you were actually, you know, still on doing service. They, were you allowed being that you were this close? They wouldn't let you in. No, no. I mean, one, it wasn't I, that wasn't my agency. I did, so I didn't okay. have jurisdiction. Even if I had of, they wouldn't have let me participate. Um, but for me, and I and I tell this because, um, like tomorrow morning, I'm speaking at the National Sheriff's Association conference about her case. And I, I go all over the United States now and talk to police officers about her case and what happened and things to look for and that kind of stuff. And I, I was operating in two realms. Um, I, would, I would shift to law enforcement, mm-hmm. and I tried to stay there as much as possible because when if I did that, I could block the emotions out. Yep. Um, because if I came back to being Kelsey's dad that was a place I really didn't want to be. Yeah. Um, so I did spend a lot of time in, in the law enforcement mode. The downside to that though, is they would call during the investigation during the four days where we didn't know where she was and ask questions, you know, like what color shoes did she have on or, you know, things like that. Cause they had found something somewhere, you know, and I know what all these questions mean when they're asking me is oh. and none of them, are, none of the outcomes are good. Um, so it was, that was, that was a rough time for me was switching back, you know, in between those modes. Where a normal person wouldn't really understand the reasoning for the questioning. You yeah, being what, in the- What did she have to eat? And I'm thinking, okay, now we're talking stomach contents, what's going on, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. Wow. Um, but that night we were standing there watching them put on the white suits and bagging everything in her car, and it was very surreal. And they said, you guys can go on home, and, and we'll get in touch with you. And I looked at Greg, and I said, oh, hell no, we're not going home. We're going to the police station. They're going to question us. They're going to talk to us right now so we can find out where our kid is. So we go to the police station, and they put us in a room, and he He's pointing out all the cameras to me, and he's like, you know they're watching me. And I said, I don't give a shit if they're watching me. I don't care. Like, get in here and ask me what you got to ask me. Yeah, so let's get it all out figure- there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So well, how long does it take in, in a, in a situation, like in this particular case where, I mean, you're not just dusting the handles. 
you're dusting the entire car. And when I say dusting, you're trying to get fingerprints. You're trying to get something or, you know, find just some, some sort of evidence. What is all involved? How long does it take before you get any kind of answers? And is it, is the process faster today than it was 15 years ago? I mean, in some ways it's changed a little bit, but at, at the scene, you have a, a preliminary crew that comes in and does, um, kind of a general search for things that could easily be discovered. Then her car gets towed to the Johnson County Sheriff's Office crime lab. Mm. And there's a whole another battery. Of so the real detailed stuff is when it's already towed off though. They're not doing that in the parking right. lot. I mean, all the, all the DNA and stuff like that, that's done at the lab. Gotcha. Um, but fingerprints are originally were, were tried to be lifted at the scene. And, but the other issue you have is that dust goes everywhere. And so you have to be careful. You have to be strategic about where you dust because the dust could get into the, something that may be DNA that you need later and you may have damaged it. So, I mean, there's so many considerations that come into play mm-hmm. um, when, they're, when they're looking for that kind of evidence. But what ended up happening is they did the super glue tests where they basically set off a super glue bomb in the car because super glue, the fog will adhere to maybe something the powder didn't. Oh, wow. And yeah, that's where they bring found up fingerprints. That's wow. where they found the fingerprint. You say fingerprint as in singular. There was one. only one fingerprint. There was one identifiable print that was his that was on the driver's seatbelt. That you know that we're talking that metal that in the eighty-seven yeah, Buick. Yep, the clip. So that metal clip that you pulled down. That's where they found it. That actually snaps in. That's that's <laughs> where the fingerprint was at. And then they they found the seatbelt guy. They had a big. There's a big plastic piece on those old Buicks that the mm-hmm. seatbelt actually kind of it's a trough that it yeah, sits in. I remember there was DNA. His DNA was found in there. Um, so you know there were just different places that they found different things. But the the science has gotten better over time. Um, but it was amazing even back then what they found. I mean. So one of the officers I was talking to was talking about, well, we, I know that John and Kelsey got along and I said, how's that? And he goes, cause this water bottle has both of their DNA on the lip. So they were both drinking out of the same bottle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my DNA was on the, the armrest, uh, armrest in yeah. the middle, you know, cause I had driven the car and I rested my arm on the armrest. So they pulled my DNA from the car. Wow. So, I mean, it, there was just, and there was DNA that was pulled from the car that they never could identify. And who knows who that it could have been when her uncle, uncle Tim took it someplace and somebody that he knew got in the car and rode with him, we, you know? So it's just a lot of things. Doesn't like, that complicate the case a little bit? It, <clears throat> it can, it did. <clears throat> I mean, that was a, a line that the defense ran with where they were trying to say, well, you know, he wasn't alone. There was more than one suspect. He didn't, he wasn't the one that committed the murder, you know, that kind of thing. Sure. So, um, how long did it, so you got the print right away, the one print. No, not right away. Not right away. <coughs> was no. that that was, so that was after that didn't come until day four. Yeah. Yep. And then, so that would have been after they found that print after they took the car to the Johnson County police department, right. yes. to the crime lab. And then Johnson County actually had to do the, the matching, um, to make sure that all the points match, you know, they had to, and to do that, you have to have the suspect's print, um, which that in and of itself is kind of an interesting story. Kelsey's body was found on June 6th. Um, the suspect was arrested on June 6th. Mm. Um, when he was in for questioning with the police, he had his lawyer with him and both he and the lawyer gave permission to have fingerprints taken and to have, swabs done to get dna 
I mean, the lawyer was, you know, okayed it and suspect okayed it. Um, and during the, during the time before he kidnapped Kelsey, he had been at the, on the border restaurant, um, there in Oak Park Mall. And he basically was being real rude to the waitress saying inappropriate things and stuff like that. And they were tossing him out. Well, in the, in that whole situation, he also did a dining dash. Hmm. And. Um, so he leaves and doesn't pay for his lunch. So the, at the time we still didn't know he was the, the guy that had done anything. So the police are going to hold the, the, in fact, the detective that on the case told me this, he said, yeah, we came in and told him, well, uh, we're booking you on, um, the theft of services from the restaurant. <laughs> and he said that this guy actually just kind of laughed. He says, really, that's all you got. I'll be out in an hour. And an other officer comes in to walk him out to the car to take him to jail. And somebody runs in and says, we got a match. We got a fingerprint match. His, his fingerprints in the car. Whoa. Um, and so that detective walked out and let him know, said, I got your fingerprint in the car. And then he just exploded and just started swearing and cussing. So he got angry. Yeah. Angry and denial. Well, I think he was, I think the way that the detectives described it to me, he thought he was the, he, the suspect thought he was the smartest guy in the room. He really thought he was going to walk out of there and nothing was going to happen to him. So one of the things that came out later, um, and this is probably part of the reason that he, and we say he or him, because as we told you, we don't say his name. Kelsey matters. He doesn't matter. Um, one of the things he had done that we learned was he went back and bleached her body. So he's thinking there's not going to be any DNA and no way of tying it to him because he had bleached her body. Okay. So now my mind is racing with a million different thoughts. Sure. Um, Wow. Um, So first question, was he intoxicated? If he was acting up at seven o'clock at night, roughly, you know, he's at on the border. He's obviously, you know, got getting his way. They, they, they the, as you described it, threw him out. Um, I, I don't think so because yeah, he had been, we found out later. That's what I'm saying. Did it yeah, ever come out? He had been like scouting them all all day looking for someone. He was, he was trolling, looking for yeah. women. Um, and again, at the time we didn't know all of his history, but after the fact, we find out that this was a habit of his, that he would go up and accost women at the mall and try to. Actually, I think that's how he met his wife was. And that's, yeah, yeah. that's how he met his wife. So but previously there was a woman at the river city market here in Kansas City, Missouri, who had been assaulted and ended up needing surgery on mm-hmm. her hand. At the time she was assaulted, she reported it. Yeah, well, she reported it to the police, but didn't know who it was because it was a stranger. When everything happened with Kelsey, she called the police to say, that's the guy that did this to me. Wow. And she got, she was able to get away. And the difference being between the two cases, exact same scenario where he tried to grab her at the car, but with her, the first woman, she had not opened the car door yet. Right. Mm. And she was able to turn around and fight back and get away from him. With Kelsey, he waited until the car door was open and she's sliding into the driver's seat and she's totally defenseless. Mm -hmm. And so there's nothing she can do. 
So now the next question, because as I said a moment ago, my mind is racing. We don't know if he was intoxicated. That's where my first thought was when you talked about him getting kicked out on the border. Then you brought up bleaching the body. Mm -hmm. So from the time she was roughly abducted, or about roughly about the time she was abducted, if I can say the word, to the time that that we know the car is back is roughly two hours, right? right? Correct. Okay. So he abducts her in her own car. Correct. Correct. Yes. Okay. So does he then go do the crime and then somewhere in the Longview area, because this has happened in Longview Lake, right? He goes and gets the bleach, comes back, and then brings the car the back? Next day. Next the day. Next he day, went, he drove out there um, to bleach the body. And again, we didn't know this at the time. This is stuff that comes out afterwards and through he, the investigation. This is something that he, that he eventually admits to or tells the well, whole story? He did admit to it, but... The thing that uh, even got the police looking that way was the day after he's coming out of the woods there at Longview Lake and he's got a duffel bag and there's a couple that's walking on those walking paths in there that see him coming out and the guilt thing kicks in. He's afraid, oh, somebody's going to wonder why the hell I just came out of the woods. And so he's telling them, oh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an amateur photographer. I just got my gear. I was just back there taking pictures. And, and the couple remembers it. Because he had, they had this conversation with him, and so they put that together. And the fact that when they found Kelsey, and they're doing the forensic exam of her body, there's bleach on her body, um, and the, her clothing, he the t-shirt that shirt. she wore that she had on that day was was pink, mm-hmm. uh, and but now it's white because yeah. that's what he used yeah. as a bleach rag. And wow, oh wow. Um, so four days later, you, you get the print, and the print's really what solves the case, right? Because of the the um, because he had gotten in trouble at the over at the um, on the border. on the border. Thank yeah. you. And so, did they call the police on him on that deal, or did they just kick him out? They they just kicked him out. Then they called later. They didn't call at the time that it actually happened. That was later that they called the police because he left a, like a a dummy wallet on the table. You right. know, to try to throw him off of who so the, so who the dime was. and dash or the dine and dash that was actually premeditated to where he brought a yep. dummy wallet wow jeez yep. yeah. okay well and i think when his picture started being shown on tv is when they called in also to say hey this is the guy that was here gotcha i mean the when once he became a person of interest once they had the video of him going in and coming out of the target um, that circulated on the news, and that generated a lot of tips coming in with people mm-hmm. calling and saying, you know, hey, I think I know that guy. It's kind of a or, domino effect after a snowball effect. Right. Whatever you want so, to call it. so many that it it The tips crashed. crashed for a while. They had so many tips coming in, they couldn't keep up with the, num- the volume of the calls coming. Um, but, yeah, he's, and he's a guy that when they start investigating, he's got a history, he's done some violent things in the past, he's, Went after his sister with a knife. A neighbor. Went after a neighbor with a baseball bat, you know. So bad that his adoptive parents returned him to the state. Mm. So, you know, there's there's all that going. But, um, but again, that's no excuse for what he did. Not at all. No, yeah. not at all. No. I mean, no we're just basically stating that yep. the guy had a track record. But, I mean, she goes missing at 7.30 on a Saturday night. And we don't know what happened. I mean, there's there's no indication by looking at the car that anything happened in the car. 
Um, that was the next question I guess I was going to have. There was no sign of struggle or nope. no blood. There was nope. no... I mean, it, the packages and stuff that she had bought at Target were still on the package. And her purse, just not her keys and her phone. They were just sitting there in the car. Hmm. So... That's kind of where we were. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, I'm sitting here trying to host a podcast, and I'm like, damn, I don't know what to ask next now. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't, the next uh, thing I was going to say is that, that evening... In my front yard, John, um, her boyfriend, his uncle had worked, I think it was for Sprint, and he said, he called me ma'am because he already had a mom. He said, ma'am, my uncle said you can ping her phone. And I was like, okay, so I'm calling our cell phone provider at the time, you know, saying, hey, can you ping her phone? And they're like, we can't do that. And that's where the Kelsey Smith Act thought. Definitely want to get into that. Definitely want to get into that. And so... That was another key component to um, to locating the body. Right? Was, absolutely, right. naturally, the fingerprint was what it, is what helped identify who the suspect could be. Right. right. But now we need to find the body. Right. Because he's in denial, or at least he's right. know, fighting it. And he's not admitting to anything. That so, was kind of a simultaneous thing that was happening at the same time. Yeah, I do remember. She was that. found about the same time he was arguing with the police. Uh huh. Yeah. So that was the fourth day. Both things are happening. So was there when, um, and we're definitely, because it's so important to this story to talk about the cell phones uh, and the pinging of the cell phones, but I, I, I guess I just want to know if once they found the body, was there any other evidence? Because he's the brilliant one, right? He thinks he's the brilliant one who's like in, gotten rid of any sort of evidence by bleaching the body. Was there any evidence that he or left behind that would oh, yes. connect him? Okay. There was still DNA. I mean, yeah, forensic evidence. Not, I mean, it's not like he left, uh, you know, a, a knife or you know anything on the scene. It, you know, he didn't carry anything there and leave it, other than. Well, one of the other things that many people don't know is her body was covered in some sticks, and they thought it was a satanic kind of thing. Mm. Um, and there were sticks in the back of his truck, and they were comparing those with the ones with her body. They were comparing um, ticks that he had that they removed from him to ticks on her body. There was a, what is the name for a Wait a minute, the bug. guy had ticks on him four days later? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, but, the, so Well, actually, in his case, what had happened is the night that he kidnapped Kelsey. Right. He brings the car back, drops it off at the mall instead of at Target. His truck's still in the Target parking lot. So he has to go over to Target get in his truck and he drives home. He lived in Olathe at the time. And then the police have a record again through the investigation that 1030 or so that night, he's called dial a nurse to ask how to get a tick off his body. Right. He's calling who? Ask dial a nurse. nurse, ask a nurse. Oh, what? Just say, hey, I, I was out in the woods today. I got a tick on my body. How do you, how do you take a tick off? But, I believe they still found one when they brought him in. And then when you ask about evidence, they found Kelsey's DNA on the inside of his shorts mixed with his wife's, Mm. whatever that tells you. Um, And when they brought him in, they had been watching him, but he and his wife were putting a lot of things in their vehicle, and it looked like they were leaving town. So the police pulled them over. He w- he had made arrangements to come in and speak to the police, but because it looked like they were fleeing, they arrested him at the time. And 
Yeah, and they stopped him right outside his house. And, and, and then when they <laughs> do the search of the car after they got the warrants and everything, the clothing that he wore during the assault of Kelsey, he had packaged in bags and was in Individually his bags. Like his shorts were in one, the shirt in another, and they shoes. They were all separated like they were already bagged for the police. Right. Uh, so I can't make sense of that. Is there? Did, did they ever ask him why was he intending to you know get rid of I think it later? He was probably and, trying to get rid of him. And he yeah. just did, and, and he didn't, and he ended up incriminating himself because he did hold on yeah. to it. I mean the wow the DNA, Kelsey's DNA, like Missy said, was found inside his shorts that he had, and the chances of it being somebody else than Kelsey uh, at the time. Uh, I was just looking at this today was one in 280 billion that it wasn't her well and and wow since it was 15 years ago that was when they were first starting to differentiate between the xy dna and her case was sent off it was one of the very first ones to tell if it's familiar or female yeah female or male dna mm. so that was one of the very first case y- really ystr marker yeah Okay. So was he, uh, let me ask this now, man. Um, it appeared that they were fleeing. Were they in fact fleeing? I don't know. Does, I think they were, but I. Well, and, uh, I, so let me ask it a different way. Does the wife, does she, is she part of the trial? Does she get interviewed yeah. in the trial? Well, she's so there every day. Do they ever ask the, I mean, but is she put on trial? Well, there, there never was a trial because um, the, defendant oh, he, decided he was going to plead guilty gotcha because there were all kinds of hearings and stuff on who was going to prosecute the case yeah. was it going to be kansas was it going to be missouri was it going to be the feds and there was supposed to be a hearing on change of venue because his attorney said we can't get a fair hearing in kansas they probably couldn't have gotten one pretty much anywhere, anywhere. but the day before greg and i were at the u.s attorneys in missouri because I wanted to know, why are you not taking this case? Mm, this is because a the crime case. happened in Missouri. Yeah. Well, uh, he uh, federal, state, state lines state line, and it's lines. a kidnapping. Exactly. Yes, yes. And basically, what the U.S. attorney had said was, well, we were assured by the district attorney in Johnson County that they would they would prosecute this to the fullest extent, and he's just feeding me all this hogwash. And I looked at him and I said, you mean you didn't have the balls to prosecute this? Mm-hmm. And so it got somehow, from our understanding, the defense attorneys found out we were at the U.S. attorney's office. Mm. And everybody knows if you're at the U.S. attorney and it gets prosecuted that way, the death penalty means death. So what was supposed to be a change of venue hearing ended up being he pled guilty. Wow. Okay. Um I don't know where to go from there. Uh, I did have a, a question, though. We, so he pled guilty. Obviously, there's not a trial then, so I screwed that all up. But the, but, but his wife was with him. He was with her. She was with him at the tr- at the here at the at hearings. The yes, hearings, but yeah. what? But she had to have been interrogated by the police. What I'm ultimately trying to figure out is, did she ever rat him out? Did he ever tell her I did something wrong? We got to pack up. We got to get out of here. It um, sounds like if she yeah. knows something, she never said anything. No, yeah. because. She, she actually got kicked out of the county jail for flashing him. 
She was no longer. What? Yeah, visitation days. She's. Okay, so this is after he's he's incarcerated. Yeah, and we're going through all the hearings. I mean, we haven't even had a trial yet. We're just going through evidentiary He's not even gone to prison yet. Well, he hadn't hadn't even pled guilty yet. This is just during the. Okay, and she's flashing him? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so did what? So she does she go to jail for this or what? What happens? Like, no, they just I don't know. They just banned but her. they allowed her to keep coming to the trial. No, well, oh, to the trial, yes. That's what I, the hearing. Yeah. She lost visitation privileges at the trial, right. and they have a child together, right? Correct. Draconis, which means from the fiery pits of hell. Yeah. Okay, so uh, he at some point then what? What is it that he's denying it? He's fighting it. At some point, something must have happened to where he comes clean. What what did it take for him to come clean with it? Well, uh, it was just what Missy said. The, the somebody, and to this day, I don't know who it was. Somehow or other, the news got back to the defense attorneys that we were at. So the it US. was that. It was that that, yeah. that pushed him. To, to, and then the next thing we knew is, hey, we want to plead if you'll take the death penalty off the table. Gotcha. It was a death penalty crime. In now Kansas. I'm understanding where you're yeah, going with from, that. Yeah. From okay. what we've been told, has it... it was told to his attorney, the Smiths have seen the U.S. attorney, and you know death means death if if the feds prosecute. Um, and his attorney told him, you better do this. Gotcha. In fact, it was, it, it was such an influence on him and on the defense team that when they were doing the plea bargain agreements on what he would plead to and, and all that kind of thing, the defense asked the district attorney at the time and said, and we would also like a promise that the feds won't come and prosecute this because they could still have done it regardless. Mm -hmm. And the district attorney at that time for Johnson County looked at him and said, I don't control the feds. When, as we were leaving the U S attorney's office, um, there were some staffers who are career U S attorneys, not the appointed people. Um, and they said they, to they us, wanted to take the case. Yeah, they they pulled us aside and said, "If you don't feel as if you've got justice, you come see us." Do you feel like you got justice? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, what is his sentence? He it it is a true life without parole. I mean, he's there until he dies. Okay. Now, now I feel like I got justice, but I will tell you when they were pleading. I brought pictures of Kelsey. I threw them at the district attorney. I threw them at all kinds of people. And I said, you fight for her as hard as she fought for her life. Don't you give in. And a friend of ours who was a career prosecutor in Jackson County, Kansas City, Missouri, he said to me, you want this. And I was like, no, I don't want this. And he said, you want this because after today you are done with him. Yeah. And we are. Yeah. We have I mean, no we're appeals. Not, we're not like those families that have to go back every 10 years for a hearing on possibly they're getting, you know, parole, probation. Uh, he He's not eligible for any of that. He's there. Sure. And, and our daughter, Lindsay, had an influence on that, too, because she said, Mom, I need you to be okay with this because I need to be able to move forward. I don't want to have to deal with him. I don't want my kids to have to deal with him sure. for the rest of their lives. Yeah, absolutely. What's um, the so he finds out that man I might be getting the death penalty. He then says uh, I'm guilty. Do they uh, do they like immediately 
how does that work in the in the legal process? Do they like, oh my gosh, five alarm fire. He's just said he's guilty. Call the judge. We gotta we gotta do a hearing immediately. How does that yeah. all work? No, you have to get they schedule a hearing for the plea, mm-hmm. um, and so that was um, that was the next day because it was supposed to be that change of venue, and then that was that was the informal though. We had an actual formal plea thing, and then we had to where get he got sentenced. Yeah. So it takes a little bit of time to to do the legal process, make sure all the I's are dotted, T's are crossed, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, but uh, from start to finish, especially for a capital murder case, her case moved very, very fast. I mean, June's, 14 months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 14 how, months we were done with him. Right. How, but how, I mean, but there wasn't 14 months you were in court. Well, we were in court every few weeks because there would be evidentiary hearings. So, I mean, the police would have, like, the DNA, okay? Now, Mm -hmm. the defense has the opportunity in these evidentiary hearings to come in and challenge the evidence and say, well, they didn't do this procedure right or this isn't right, or they would come in and challenge the video evidence and say, well, this video isn't right, this isn't really showing what it says. You Mm -hmm. know, I mean, we had tons and tons and tons of these evidentiary hearings that just put you... It's exhausting. I mean, your your stomach is I would be exhausted after the first... for me, it was a huge, huge deal because I've spent my whole life in in law enforcement and i trust the system i believe in the system in the judicial system it works and you know he'd come in and they'd come in and they'd challenge everything and i'm sitting there thinking what happens if this judge says okay i agree with you you know mm-hmm. what am i going to do then where's my recourse you know luckily none of that happened um and you had the video of her walking out of the target you, you played that. Yes. We had 10 hearings, if I remember correctly, on whether or not the defense had that clip. 10. Why? Why? Because well, they kept saying they didn't have it, even though the prosecutor could show. Every TV station across the <laughs> world had it. How did you not have it? <laughs> and, and the prosecutor had shown in their evidence log where they had given it to them and the you know evidence person came in and testified they came they picked it up well then they would say well but you gave us so much evidence how can we get just that little snippet that's what we're looking for yeah and then it came um what ended up happening is target came in town to testify and the target person they um took their hard drive they ended up taking the hard drive out of their computer and handing it to the defense attorney in front of the judge so the prosecutor could say there your honor now you see they have this was that just a stall tactic i think part of it was that um part of it was it was a multiplexing video system Mm -hmm. and so if you don't have the right equipment to play that it's not going to play back correctly yeah um and i don't I think at first that the defense team may not have known, you know, those types of things. I mean, a lot of it was. It was game playing. Pardon my French. Yeah, it was it was BS stuff that defense attorneys It's do. a podcast. This isn't the FCC rules here, Greg. You just say what you're th- what's on your mind, pal. Well, and one of the things we ended up telling friends and family, and I tell other family members going through this, is as painful as it is and as much as it pisses you off and the bullshit you think it is, mm-hmm. you want those defense attorneys to do everything possible to get that person off Mm -hmm. because then when they're convicted 
there are less chances of appeal. That's right. You just have to face it. That well, let's face it. That they're doing their job too. The, absolutely. Right. That, right. That's the hell of being a defense. I mean, I guess that's what you signed up for as a defense lawyer. But in this particular case, like, ooh. Well, one of like the defense sign- attorneys apologized to me. I was I was going to ask that because that's like signing a deal with the devil. His, like- his daughter had mutual friends with Kelsey, and Ugh. he came up to me in the parking lot, not knowing that, and he said he would rue the day he agreed to take the case. And I, my thing was, please, I didn't have any problems with him, but mm-hmm. there were some of the experts that all kept coming up and apologizing to me. Mm-hmm. And I said, please tell them to just shut up and stop telling me how sorry they are. Yeah. Don't tell me you're sorry when you're trying to save his ass. Yeah. Like, come on. Sure. Just zip it. Yeah. That would be really <laughs> tough to hear. It's almost like contradicting, you know, like, I don't know. Um, I wanted to ask this question because I know that, and we're, I want to get into Kelsey's. There's so much to talk about, and we're yeah. already an hour and 16 minutes into this. But I'm so curious because I have an eight-year-old daughter. I've referenced that before. And I know uh, part of what you do with Kelsey's Army is to you know, uh, teach people, women in particular, about their surroundings. and No, not it, just women. Not, okay. Well, sorry. I, nope, you're fine. Um, I'm, I'm speaking, I guess, because from a father who has a daughter right. in, in, in saying that I would like her to be involved in an organization like this, because as a woman, I want her to be, and I try as a dad to talk to her about, you know, being aware of your surroundings. Um, and, but the, also the part of, uh, self-defense, right? Just the little things that you can do to defend yourself. Had you as a father who worked in law enforcement and knew some of this stuff had talked to Kelsey with about any of this stuff? And, and, and if you hadn't, it's okay. I'm not judging you or any, by, by any means, but I'm just wondering, was there any uh, evidence that, because I think I remember reading or seeing where he had some wounds and scar or cuts yes. or you yeah. know, abrasions or whatever you may want to call it because she was fighting. Yeah, she was, she did fight back. Um, and yes, I did teach her some stuff that you know that I knew from a law enforcement tactics and things that work and she was pretty good at it um it's another one of those stories about Kelsey I remember John's over at the house one time and they're both laying on the couch together watching television and Kelsey wants to change the channel and John's got the remote and he won't give it to her and she's locking him up and putting him in these pressure holes (laughs) taught her her so that she can get the remote out of his hand you know um and but you know I'd come up behind all the kids that I taught this stuff to, you know, or I'd grab them or, or bear hug them from behind and that. And, you know, yeah, what do you do? And, you know, and she knew the right move to do to, to get out of that type of thing. In fact, I said this at the time out of all five of my kids, she is the least likely one that I would have thought this would happen to. But there were two things that occurred that probably you can't defend against. One was he had a gun. I did not know that. Yeah, he had a gun, and the gun had her DNA on the tip. So that means it was probably saliva in her mouth. The second is he had used her belt around her neck to control her. So if he's behind you, he's got a gun, and he's got your a belt around your neck controlling you, and it was right here, and if you push you know, right in the middle of your neck, 
it just takes a few seconds for it to be so uncomfortable. And and that was part of the reason they were able to charge with capital murder because there was evidence that he would choke her out and then bring her back, choke her out and bring her back. Yeah, I wanted to ask that question and I was struggling with how to ask it. Um, ask was, us anything. I know, but like it's, I'm talking to the parents of an 18-year-old daughter who was raped and, and murdered. And I was, you know, was this sick bastard yeah um did he kill her before he did the crap that he did to her or it sounds like he was so sick that he got off on the pain that she was going through i i think that's it but part of the reason i don't want it to seem like we're cavalier or just okay with everything that happened to her we have the thought process that if anyone can learn anything from her case That's why we share it. So if a young lady or a young man is out there and someone's got a gun on you, that's the time you fight. You fight in the parking lot. You don't let them take you somewhere else. Because if you leave crime scene one, crime scene two is is probably where your body's going to be like it was with Kelsey. So anything we can do to try to prevent or educate people, like talking to law enforcement, talking to parents on, here's what you can do in a case, anything like that, mm-hmm. that's, that's why we're here. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, the... the, the you know, Missy mentioned that he had a gun. It was an airsoft. Oh, geez. It but she wouldn't know any different. She, she would not. No. And uh, when I was a Kansas City, Missouri cop, we had people that would uh, take airsofts and, you know, pull them like they're real weapons. And you can't tell. I mean, the airsofts are made to look like a real weapon. They don't have the little, you know, red tips on them and those types mm-hmm. of things. So, yeah. Um, there is video. I've been, because after naturally, I mean, look, she became, how do I say it the right way? I mean, naturally, Kansas City is a pretty, you know, it's not Chicago, it's not New York, it's not LA. I mean, Kansas City is the the, the smallest big city in the world. There <laughs> were only like, two murders in Johnson County that year. She was one. This made national news. International. Okay, international. Like, it was a huge deal, and I remember it it wasn't just news. Like, this, this like, hit home. This was, like, impactful. I remember I'm not even married. I don't have kids at the time. I'm a single guy just working the radio station and and hearing the story, and it's emotionally affected. It affected everybody. It affected everybody um, to, you know, to a point to where, you know, I'm not that guy who's going to Google every single murder news story that's out there. But now I'm I'm hearing about this girl and 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 everything that's about her and her family and and I'm I'm fascinated. You know, I, I'm interested, so I'm sure. reading up on it. I'm googling about it. I'm trying to get more information about this and and um, and naturally. I, I got to become friends with you guys and I'm, I'm helping you with a campaign video. And so I'm trying to inform myself on what's this video that I'm going to put together. So I'm getting more information that I didn't know during the time. And one of the things that I came across was not only was there video of her walking out of the target and video of him shortly after walking out of the target but from a quartering distance, there's actually, now you can't identify the person, but you can see that there is somebody running up and pushing what it looked like 
pushing her in yep. to the car. Right. Is that how it happened? Like he basically, the door came open. She got blindsided from behind and got pushed in the car. He follows her in, shuts the door, does something in order to keep her still so that he can start the car, back it up and drive out of there. We don't know if it's that or if he had the gun and made her drive. I mean, we don't know. It could have been either. And that never came out. He never, I mean, of all the crap, I mean, and there's some sick shit that came out like that, that never, that never came out. I I would think that the the police would want to kind of know that information for future, like. That's one of those we can ask Detective Miller. Yeah. My recollection of, of talking to the detectives, it did not come out when, when he had to give his accounting of, you know, what he had done, um, in court, but. He did, I remember um, the lead detective, Bob, who's a real good friend of ours, um, saying that they think he was in the seat behind her when, the the par- when they left the parking lot. Right. And that he then obviously drove the car back, which is how his fingerprint got on that seatbelt when he put the seatbelt on himself. I also remember in that video seeing people walking out of the Target. Yep. Yeah, there were people walking in, people walking, walking out, out, people driving by. And there, nobody saw anything? No, no. They canvassed, you know, they put that video out and they asked me, if you were in the parking lot at this time, please contact the police. And nobody that they contacted saw anything, which tells me that, I mean, again, this is after the fact. We find out that he's tried this before at the River City Market. Um and, and there were other cases. And there were probably, he yeah, there were, he tried women. something over at Westridge Middle School, which is just across the street right. from the mall. The middle school? Yeah. Uh, somebody, yeah. some lady in the oh, evening was, was okay. walking on I the track. I was thinking and, like yeah, a child. You know, so. Well, no, Ronnie, you say that. He thought she was 12. That's what he said to the police. I saw her. She had nice legs. Yeah, that's I what he said. She was but she was 12. That, that was, we all know that's total BS yeah. because... Her car pulls in the parking lot, and he's following her in his truck. So he knows she's not 12. She's driving a car. I mean, that's just a – he's just trying to get out of – Oh, my gosh. Oh yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my – what a – anyway. Okay, so what's crazy is that nobody saw in the Target parking lot with, uh, with again, watching that video and the amount of yeah. activity well, and, that's coming out. And that's just it. I mean, from the time that you see him appear in the video. The flash. Yeah. Until that car back, until her car backs out of the parking space is 16 seconds. That's all it took. So, you know, he practiced. He knew what he was doing. It wasn't his first rodeo. Nope. Okay. So, um, let me ask this before we move on. Um, This is another one of those tough questions because this was when I was doing, for lack of better words, research. That's when I came across things that were brought up in the hearing, which is the really sick stuff that I can't even fathom how a parent could hear what he did. I mean, uh, just to know that a rape and a murder is just kind of a broad paintbrush stroke of what really happened because the details are gruesome. I want to know how are you psychologically capable of sitting in that room to hear all of that stuff and not lose your shit. Because he doesn't matter. 
she mattered. It was all were, about. Well, but you can say that now, and I, but I mean, at no, the no, time, even then. even then, you were that even strong then. because oh, I would want like you see sometimes on some of this stupid shit that's on YouTube or on social media where they're talking about all this stuff and a family member's diving over a desk or something yeah, and trying and, to. And it was those types of things, you know those those videos yep. that had been on TV in the past on shows and stuff. You know, families reacting that yeah. way, where we sat down and said. From this point on, he gets nothing else from us. Yep. He got Kelsey. That's, that's it. it. He gets nothing else. And our job from this point on is to honor Kelsey and let people know her story. That's the important thing. And that was literally a conversation. Do you think had. that was your background in law enforcement that helped you? No, have that? that was me. That was you saying that. Kudos yeah. to you. Kudos to you. Yeah. Because I'll tell you this. I've had this conversation with my dad. <clears throat> not necessarily about your guys' story, but just in general. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a Second Amendment guy. You know, I love to hunt. <laughs> Naturally, I have guns. Um, and I try to think, what am I going to do? How am I going to react if somebody tries to invade? Now, again, this is two different scenarios. But how am I going to react if somebody tries to invade my home or invade my daughter? You know, will I have the balls to use a gun on that person, you know? And then I try to bring in the faith side of it, you know, like what, what well, was, if he had been do, coming into our home, to that's a different that, story. That, I get it. Yeah. I, I understand that. But I'm just saying that even if I was in your shoes and if it was afterwards, I know me and I'm not saying it's right, but I know me and I'd want to kill the bastard. Well, and I'm not saying it's right. No, no, no. You want to do that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you that, that is not um, far beyond where we were at. Mm-hmm. But if I hated him, if I did that, he took more from my life. He took more energy and and wow. angst and, and created more negativity in our life. And we had four more kids. Our kids, mm. youngest two, were 10 and 12. This may be like shocking to some people. A couple of weeks after Kelsey was killed, Cody, who was 12 at the time, wanted to go to the mall with her friends. Mm-hmm. We let her go with her friends, without us. And people are like, how can you do that? Because we couldn't stop their life. If we didn't let her go to the mall, then Kelsey's killer took more from our lives yep. than just Kelsey. And I wasn't giving him that. I love you. I love you both. I mean, I just, I knew I loved you, but I... Just that I, that helps me. You telling that story helps me. Let me also ask this. I know you talked about in that video that I played, you read some scripture there at the end. Are you guys, I know you are, but I'm going to ask it for those who don't know or in the podcast. Are you faith-based? Is this, is, is your faith important to you? It was, you really leaned on your faith during that. It did. What, what part did faith play in overcoming I don't know if overcoming is the right word because you don't know if you truly overcome it, but help give you the strength to move forward. Yes. One step in front of the other. Yes. You never move on because she's not here. So you just move forward. Right. Yeah. Um, Faith, faith was, was a huge part of it for me. Um, It's. I, I don't know when I had this epiphany, if you'll call, I guess, for lack of a better word. But 
while I'm trying to deal with it all and put everything into perspective, I'm thinking the, the thought process that I run through is who, who understands this? Who, who can, who can walk me through this? And the thought I had was, Hey, God had a son murdered. Mm. He gets this. Um, so for me, it Duh. was like, I'm just sitting here going, Hmm, I should know this. <laughs> right. <laughs> but for me, it created a little bit of anger because growing up in a home without a father, yeah. this guy's supposed to love me being our heavenly father. Right. And if he understands what it's like to lose a child to murder, why would he let me go through that? Yeah. So there was, there was, a, a, there was, you're really oh, being yeah. challenged in your faith. Yeah. And, yeah. and I am a person of faith very much so. And I know where my child is. Um, but there was that struggle, and, and I'm just being real. You know, yeah, there were, no, I want you to. There was one time I was driving. I, I know exactly where I was. I was at I-29 and, you know, going up to Berry Road, Area yep. 635, where it hits. Sure. I, yeah, one to, or I-29. And God laid on my heart, you need to pray for Kelsey's killer. And Just randomly. Oh, yeah, I'm driving my Ford Expedition, and I'm like... the. I mean, it was just there, and I was like, "God, I mean, excuse me if I upset anyone." I said, "No, I want you to be real." Yeah. Oh, I, I was. I said, "I don't know what the fuck you want me to pray for him for, but I just did. I'm done." That was, yeah. that was it. Yeah. Have you <laughs> prayed for him did. since? No. No. It hasn't been laid on my heart. It yeah. was that time. Yeah. Um, I prayed for his child. Because his child is now known as the child of a murderer. Yeah. And that child's going to grow up with some help. I mean. The child has grown up. Yeah, he's he's 21, 22. How old was he when that happened? Six. Six, and that was 15 years ago. Holy smokes. Man, where's the time gone? Greg, how angry were you? Like, as a dad, right? And you're a police officer, and you're the strong one, and you're, you know, like, did you, like, did you have that feeling of initially like you want to go and get this guy or sure yeah absolutely um i uh i I mean there's just a whole range of emotions oh sure you know that you run through from from anger to to the reason i'm asking and i don't mean to interrupt i'm sorry but it sound the way you presented it was like you had this family meeting and you're like we're not giving anything more to him we're not going to give more to him and and it was like the decision was made and oh, no, it was, no, no. it's, it's an ongoing the, process. I'm sure it's an ongoing process, but I was like, there had to have been, it's only natural that once you've identified this person and you know what the hell he did to her, like you're ready to take that guy out. Oh, sure. I mean, so what was, where was the moment where you were able to find clarity and, and perspective and say, okay, we all need to sit down and have a serious come to probably, Jesus talk. Probably for me, um, I mean, when, when we're in there for the hearings, all these different hearings that we went to, we went to every single hearing. Yeah. Somebody, in our mind, we were there for Kelsey. We were speaking for her since she couldn't speak anymore. Um, I wasn't any farther away from him than you and I are right now. Oh, my God. I and, can't and imagine. You, you bring things. I brought things that were hers that I could hold on to to keep me grounded while I'm in that courtroom. You know, but, I, you just had, you had to. 
to but keep the, the thought focus. that I had was was just like you were talking about those videos of the dad going yeah. over the rail and stuff yeah. like that. What does that accomplish Nothing. other than make a headline? And it's and counterproductive, it, and it's embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, in the aftermath, it's embarrassing that that some. I mean, not that I don't understand why. Yeah, I wanted sure. to jump over the rail. <laughs> I think we had that conversation with everyone. It was about the third time, the third hearing, because one of Stevie's friends came with us. and Who's Stevie? Our, our, our oldest, oldest daughter. daughter. Stevie, daughter. Okay, yeah. Yeah. One, one of, of her friends came with us. And, and God bless them, it was our fault, because we did not let them know the zoo this was going to be. media was in our face constantly those first few And weeks. And she yelled at him, get that fucking mic out of my face. And I was like, whoa, 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 no, no, no. We're not going to conduct ourselves this way because if we do, that's, that's going to be the story. So yeah. after that, we sat everyone down, and that's when we did it was after that hearing to say, okay, guys, this is going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And if you can't go, that's okay. We're okay with that. But when you go, here's how you have to conduct yourself or you become the story and you don't want to be the story. It takes away from Kelsey. We want people to know who Kelsey is. We want people to know what she was like. If we or anybody in the, in the group does something like that, you're, you've just pulled attention away from, from the important thing. Why we're there. Why we're there. That's fascinating. And it gives me perspective as a, you know, and hope to God, I hope to God, Lord, if you're listening, and I know you are, I hope I never, ever, ever have to go through anything remotely close to what you guys went through. But I often think about it. I think about when I'm being challenged in my faith, you know, the Lord, you know, when does the Lord want us to turn a cheek and when does he want us to go to war for him? You know, and, and I actually put a post up there on Facebook about that recently. Um, and well, so, Ronnie, I will say this. This is what I told um, Senator, now Senator Olson, who did Kelsey's law, God knew that law needed to change. Mm-hmm. He did. He knew Kelsey was already gone. He knew by changing that law that lives would be saved, and he knew her parents had the mouths to get it done. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the reason I think she was out there for four days. Um, God turned that evil into something good. I agree. I mean, her story has... You know, you were talking about it earlier. It uh, people are captivated by it, fascinated by it for for whatever reason. I mean, Missy and I are completely humbled by the fact that so many people care about mm-hmm. Kelsey. Uh, but there have been six documentaries done on her. Uh, wow. They just did another one. Another one aired last month in May. Um, it it and and when they contact us and say, "Hey, we." We're interested in doing a story on Kelsey. I remember this one. I talked to the producer, and I was like, there have been several. I mean, what else is left to tell in the yeah. story? And she said, well, this one, we've got a little bit of a different angle. And and she goes, I'll be quite frank with you. People are interested in her. Yeah. And, and just the way you look at your daughter, she's just our kid. Like, yeah. she's just our kid. Let me ask this. Um, Gosh, dang, we've got so much more to cover, and it's been an hour and 37 minutes. (laughs) Oh, man, we could be here all night. I told you it might be a late night. We we joked about that. Um, In part two next week. We can just stay here, and you can make it. That's right. That couch right there actually folds out into a bed. It's got a foam mattress in it. I slept on it, and believe it or not, it's the best pull-out bed or couch that I've ever... Anyway, I I digress. Um, So when... 
naturally we have a relationship. And so I, I'm honored and grateful that you would want to visit with me about something that is so difficult. Um, but I'm curious, like when these people, these producers, like they're trying to make a buck, right? They're, 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 this is content that they are making. They're going to sell it. They're going to make money. They're making money on the death of your child, the murder, the rape, the horrific story and everything that happens on it. And I'm not here to make a dime on this. Um, I'm not even get, I think in the nine episodes that I've made, I've made $5 <laughs> through, <laughs> through anchor. That is a true story. I'm not going to make any money that's on this more than we've made off of any of the episodes. Okay. So there you go. That's where I'm, that's where I'm going with this. Like, why do you, uh, it's like this fine line you want to, you want to tell like Kelsey's story because it could help people. You want to tell Kelsey's story because you want to keep Kelsey's name alive. I mean, there's a variety of different reasons why you would agree to now six documentaries, not to mention the other endless amount of TV interviews, podcasts, radio interviews, newspaper stories, mag- magazine articles, you name it. You've done them all. Do you get to the point where you're like, no, not feeling it? Um, where, do you see where I'm going with this? Like, yeah, it's it. It, it really it, it boils down to what Missy said earlier. Um, I mean, it, if people can learn anything from her story, if it if it helps somebody that finds themselves in a situation, or it increases their situational awareness when they're out there by hearing about Kelsey, or if just her life and the things that she did and the type of person she was inspires somebody, then that's important. Um, the other I'm, thing is by keeping her name out there, I still have 20 states to go to get the Kelsey Smith Act. So if, so if one of those legislators see her story and they say, we don't have this here, mm. okay, we're there. Mm. That That's a really good answer. And, it, and it, it's so far-reaching. I mean, we know when one of these documentaries has aired in over, Italy overseas because all of a sudden I'm getting emails and Facebook messages from Great Britain and from France and from Spain and you know we're we Italy just saw wow the special on your daughter and I'm like and they give me a name and it's like that's not what they called it over here so I don't know which one you watched <laughs> you sure <laughs> But wow. it, I mean, it's just, it's, I mean, after she was right after she was murdered and it, you know, the national news had started to pick up on it, Fox news and CBS and all the big stations were here. All of a sudden I'm getting emails at work from police officers around the world that had hurt. I mean, I was getting, I got emails from officers over in, um, Israel and, uh, the, all the middle East and and europe and all of a sudden Mm -hmm. you know that that's how fast it traveled we had people that we knew that were missionaries and kelsey's pictures on the front page of the newspaper over there yeah we were sent um a newspaper from iraq i think and there she is in all of her glory and what we call the picture and we were laughing because that was the other thing we did. You know, you have to find the humor in things. We were laughing because there was Kelsey on the front page of a newspaper in Iraq. And and I went, she doesn't even have a burqa on. 
You know, so there's this beautiful American yeah. girl, and she's on the front page of a newspaper in Iraq. Wow. Yeah. You know, and one of the things we did, and, and it's divine intervention. I know it is. The, the way he spoke to us at the time was that was when what would Jesus do was big. And we oh, sat yeah. down and said, what would Kelsey do if this was one of us? And she would make it better for others. And that's all we try to do. You know, our, our kids were scouts. You leave it better than you found it. And that's all we're trying to do is make things better than what we found them. Man, you're, the character of you two is inspiring. We're and just I, parents. I get it. I'm a parent too, but I'm telling you, like, it's an inspiration to me. Um, I'm not going to lie. Like, I've actually, because I know, I know I have a relationship with you, I've thought, and I, is it sick that I think about these things, or is it because I'm trying to prepare myself to respond to a situation if it were to come up? Because, let's face it, if this could happen to you guys and your daughter, it could happen to me too. Okay. It could. And, and, and let's just hope that it doesn't. It but I, you know, like I, I, I wonder, like I think to myself, man, if that happened to me, the first people I would call Greg and Missy Smith, because they're the only two people that are in my life. Mm. <laughs> oh, shit. I was trying not to do that. But no, the two people in my life that I would truly understand what I would be going through. I'm crying and nothing needs to even happen to my daughter. What the hell's wrong with no. me? But you know, but like, no, you know what? And, and we've mm. met with, I can imagine. I you bet know, you that have. have been in, in similar situations. Is that hard for you? Or is it th- because, okay, that I, ooh, the psychology side of this, you guys know that I had a, a demon, whatever. I had some issues a couple last two years, which I was internalizing a lot of depression and anxiety. Is this medicine for you? When you can talk about it, is it hard for you? Like when there's times when, when I'm asking these questions or another family has lost a loved one to murder and, and the horrific things that, that happened during that murder and they're coming to you, does it make you revisit all the stuff that happened to your daughter to where it's painful or is it sometimes painful, sometimes medicine? How does that? It's, it's all. It's all of it. It's all, yeah. There are some times where um, you just think, uh, I can't do it. I just can't do it today. But then there are other times where you know we had a family come sit with us, the Sanderholm family. Their daughter, Jody was um, killed in almost the same exact way from Ark City, Kansas. And about six months after Kelsey was killed, they came and sat in our living room. And just to have someone that got it. It's like when you were talking with your friend about PTSD and you didn't have to explain it. Mm. They just got it. Yeah. That's what it's like. Yeah. So to be able to be that person that gets it and to be there for another parent. There were people there for us. And I think, I mean, we were just raised to be giving people. You are. Um, yeah. yeah. I, my mom was a single parent of four daughters. And mm-hmm. I remember one time we're driving in a car somewhere and there's a lady walking without shoes and my mom pulls over and, and gives her shoes. Lady. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's just, that's just the way you are. That's the way you're built. Yeah. That's, and that's inspiring. <sighs> okay. Um, let, uh, we got to get into Kelsey's army. We got to get into Kelsey Smith foundation. We got to get into Greg's PTSD. Um, I, I was going to ask another question. Uh, the question I was going to ask again is, so do you have to, this is will be the last question and then we're moving on. Do you have to, you talked about not having the capacity, like saying some days I can't do it. I can't do it. Not feeling it today. So like, do you have to get, 
ramp yourself up, like prepare yourself to know that you're coming to do this podcast or you're getting ready to go on Nancy Grace or, you know, go do a show like you, you have to mentally put yourself, prepare yourself for what it is that you're about to do or is, has time been able to heal a little bit to where it becomes a little bit more, I don't know if natural is the white word, but it's what I'm going to use. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes to all of With it. With time is a Sometimes little bit. Sometimes we're preparing ourselves if we've got a big presentation coming. Um, sometimes when you're going to talk to a parent, you, you do the breathing. You know, I mm-hmm. have a sign in my office that says, just breathe. Mm-hmm. And you have to do that. It, it's all of the above. I mean, for me, tonight coming here, um, and like I said, tomorrow I'm presenting at the National Sheriff's Association. I always get amped before I do one of those anyway. And then we're coming here to do this. So mm-hmm. I'm like double amped. <laughs> sure. Um, because of the close proximity of which it's all happening. Yeah. And, but, but when I get up to do, it's a case study on Kelsey's case. I walk people through the evidence. I walk people through what happened. I talk about the DNA and the video and the phone and you know mm-hmm. all of it. Um, and it's law enforcement, so I'm dealing with folks that have to deal with these types of crimes anyway. So on one level, it's training for law enforcement. Mm-hmm. On another level, this is my kid. Yeah. And I need to talk about her. Yeah. She's not here anymore, but she's important. Yep. And so that's medicine she for mattered. you. That's medicine for you. So, so that's part of it. Um, and then there's the, you know, celebrate her life part of it. And there's, um, here are, here are things that you need to know when you've dealt with a case of this magnitude as an investigator, you know, do you have a debriefs in place? Uh, Because the the mental trauma from this is real whether you want to admit it or not sure um and as a cop now of over 25 years i've seen a lot of shit yeah um most of those involved in her case had a daughter around her age so that was something that was very um i don't know if it's helpful or I don't, it was just it, it yeah. was it was a strange coincidence that most of the people that had the, the major investigation part of her case all had daughters about Kelsey's age at the time. Including the, the person, the funeral director. I mean, she told us a story after she um, had prepared Kelsey because he kept telling me, being a police officer, mm-hmm. we are not going to see her. We are not going to see her. And I was like, oh, no, yes, we are. Like, And so we talked to the funeral director because she'd been out there four days. So you know things happen and um i said to gina you get her ready because i'm seeing her and gina was that hard for you that she was so hell bent on that yeah well yeah oh yes that was was, that was that that was one of those because i know uh, i mean you know what you're about to see she made i've seen other yeah people yeah and i've seen and that i you don't want to see her here yeah and i don't want to remember kelsey like that but the victim's advocate said to him Mothers have to. Mothers do. Fathers don't. Did you see her? Yes. Greg? I mean, I saw Kelsey once she was in the coffin, yes. Yes. Okay. You know, and she'd been prepared. 
I, I didn't see her prior to anything. That's what I meant. I haven't looked right. at any autopsy photos. But you were talking about, were you talking about seeing her after she was done? at yes. the at, Okay. And she was. But even then, so when we didn't know if we were going to go to trial, I said, you will show me every picture. Oh, and shit. he said, you will not. And oh, I said, oh, yes, I will. So you saw the pictures. I did not. Oh. We didn't have to because he pled guilty. Okay. Which okay. was another reason. Mm. Because her case was heard before a grand jury, that's another whole story, Um, that all of the evidence in her case is private. It keeps it private. So that was a little bit of dignity we could give her since it was presented to the grand jury. It has to stay secret. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Moving on. We're moving on. (laughs) Rascal Flats. I'm moving on. Um, (laughs) I can't believe I just did that. Um. I don't know. I try to keep this at 90 minutes. We're way past that, uh, but I know you guys got things to do. I want to talk about Kelsey's army, but I also want to talk about the cell phone, the the Kelsey Smith act. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that the Kelsey Smith act is more important to talk about. Not that it's, you know, not, I shouldn't say more more important to talk about, but you brought up how the reason you agreed to do these documentaries and these interviews and all the things is because you got 27 more States out there. 20, 20, sorry, 20 more States that are out there that, don't have not implemented the Kelsey Correct. Smith Act. So let's talk about that. And, sure. and if you guys still want to stick around for a few more minutes and talk about Kelsey's army and Kelsey, the Kelsey Smith Foundation, I personally like to know more about that because I have a daughter. So uh, you decided um, that once you'd learned the information about the pinging of the cell phone, you could have found Kelsey's body within what, 30, 45 minutes. 45 had, minutes is how long we, it took to find her, yeah. Yeah. And, and, but you weren't able to find the body for four days. Because the cell phone company would not release it. And I think that the time, the mentality was, well, this is private information, yes. right? And, and so we're infringing, infringe, if I can say it right, infringing upon somebody's privacy if we're giving out this information. And if you start it there, then it could be a snowball effect. And then the, I'm assuming that that's yes. why the policy and the protocol was what it was at the time. That, that's and, part of it. The other part was... When we were calling, we're calling on a Saturday night late and the person on the other end of the phone isn't understanding, you better bump this up to the next level. Mm -hmm. We didn't find that out for several years, that they had made mistakes. Oh, the the cell phone company made mistakes? Yes. When we were calling Are you comfortable saying who that was? Oh, it's Verizon. Verizon. I don't care. I'll okay. say it. No, I'm just... Yeah, they, yeah. Were, they were a provider then. And guessing and not anymore. The big, <laughs> the big companies have an emergency call center. And when something like this happens, what's supposed to happen is if somebody calls in to the customer service line, which is where we were calling, yeah. um, I need, they, they should, their training should be, I need to kick this to the emergency center. Yeah. And, and they didn't. That never happened. And I'm sure you called multiple times. Uh, yes. Yeah, we were. And you got the same response every single time. Um, no. Uh, to be quite honest, a couple of times the response I got was, well, we can kick up your plan to the next level if you want. Because remember, at that time, you're limited in the number of minutes you have. And so. Oh, my God. They're trying to but- sell you a better package. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yep. Like, Ronnie, you. 
we called them additional assaults that we so went through with everything that was going on on top of dealing with our kid being gone and and this you know yeah. you're calling verizon and verizon is saying i can't ping the phone which john is saying but sprunt says they can ping the phone later we learned from the um representative so uh, about a month the representative after, for verizon uh, verizon okay. right a month after kelsey went missing in july of 2007 the district attorney arranged a meeting with verizon officials and greg and i and they weren't really wanting to and the district attorney said i think it would be in your best interest to meet with this family so in comes mark crumpton the president of the verizon um area missouri kansas and city area and then the next person introduces themselves as, like, government affairs. And I looked at him and I said, you're a lawyer. Yes, Mrs. Smith, I'm a lawyer. Then the next person introduces himself as counselor or something. And I said, you're a lawyer. Yes, Mrs. Smith, I'm a lawyer. So there were just a bunch of lawyers there. Three lawyers. The lady says, whatever her name was, and then she didn't even tell me her title. She said, Mrs. Smith, I'm a lawyer. And I said, hmm. I got the president and three lawyers. If you brought them, I looked at Mr. Crompton, because you think we're here to see your asses. That's not what this is about. You figure out what was broke that night because you failed Kelsey and you failed us as a family. And we need to figure out what happened. What was the response you got? The response I got from the female lawyer was, well, Mrs. Smith, you kept asking us for pings. That isn't a terminology we use. And I looked at her. Jeez, what the hell else does it mean? Oh, well, (laughs) I looked at her and I said, don't, I, I called you and I told you my child was missing. Don't you make a family try to figure out what is the fucking magic word to get you off your ass to help them find their kid. Damn right. You knew what I meant. You absolutely, my 10 year old son knows what a ping is. Yeah. We later learned Verizon really could not ping a phone. They could not. They didn't have the ability. They did right. not have the ability. A, a ping is to send an actual signal out and make contact with the phone. Okay. So, but they did do that four they days later. No. They can't. They never did. They didn't have the capability to actively ping a phone. So how through the cell phone did they locate the body that four was, days later? That was done through what's called CSLI. That's cell site location information. Every cell phone logs towers that it hits and that's those become business records okay you can so go back and look at the historical data and figure out which towers it made contact that's what with. they did and so that's it, what they did at any one time your phone can be talking to three towers and they triangulate that to yep. see where it was and then the engineer on that fourth day went out and narrowed down the pie for them and said here's where you need to look and that's when she was found in 45 minutes and again you have to remember this is 2007 so we're not talking gps capable right. phones or any of that we didn't have bluetooth back then yeah you know so so, so the, the, the story gets better then so i just want to clarify something in the beginning when i played the clip in fox no that wasn't fox 4 that was um kctv5 i believe that was talking to the person who was on site doing the interview yeah, and yeah, she yeah, was yeah. and they were asking about the cell phone tower and the having the the, the tower yep. pinged in fact that's inaccurate that's the correct. cell phone was not pinged that's because correct. Verizon although maybe Sprint did at the time have the capability it was located Verizon didn't they just used a different tactic 
to locate the general vicinity, not the pinpoint location, but the general vicinity of where the body could be. Right. Correct. Which, which, I mean, with CSLI, you can get pretty close. Um, GPS is obviously pinpoint light yeah. years ahead of that, yeah. Yeah. but, but, um, that's one of the things when I present Kelsey's case at these conferences is, you know, to let officers know the terminology that you need to use mm. when you're trying to get this and, and, and industry wide. Yes. A ping is a thing to actually send that pulse to the phone, but the more technically correct term is locate, locate a phone, locate a wireless device. And so that's part of our training. I mean, let's just break out the crayons here. Verizon. (laughs) Jeez. Are you kidding me? Like, I'm sorry. I, my terminology was too advanced for you. I use ping. I should have said locate. That's why I said to the, the, yeah. Lawyer. I mean, did it not seem as all? I mean, it sounds like that lawyer, that female lawyer, it was almost patronizing. No, it, was, it was, I mean, it was the, CYA. They were covering their asses. No, absolutely, 100%. Because, but the fact that she's even talking to you like this after what you've just gone through and what you were striving to do, I mean, it's almost, it, not almost, it is. It's patronizing the way that she was even talking to you. Well, they were covering their butts even more because the. The um, president, Mark Crumpton, said to me, Mrs. Smith, if you have any issues whatsoever, you call me. I'm going to deal with them. We're going to take care of everything. He said, is there anything else I can do? And I said, well, yeah, everybody that was then I'm thinking of the cell phone plans, anyone that helped to find her, they need their their bill wiped like you guys could cover that. And he said, if you have any issues whatsoever, you contact me. And I said, I'm going to contact you and I'm going to come back and you're going to tell me what you found broken that night because I want to know. So when I called a few weeks later, Mr. Crumpton is no longer with the company. Ooh. Yep. So his assistant, Nancy Bates, got the unpleasant job of telling me, Mrs. Smith, Mr. Crumpton is no longer with the company. And I said, explained to her why I was calling and that I told him I was going to call to see what was broken that night. She called me back to say, Mrs. Smith, the lawyers said to tell you they found our protocols to be adequate. My response to that was, you tell those lawyers they have not heard the last of this mom. Okay, good. And that's why we have the Kelsey Smith Act. To be honest, mm. in the Kelsey, what the Kelsey Smith Act does, just so people yeah, know. Yeah, we, we need to broad overstroke. What is the Kelsey Smith? I right. know what it is, but for the people listening, what right. is the Kelsey Smith Act? So the Kelsey Smith Act is in a situation like Kelsey's where someone is missing or their life is in fear of bodily harm or death. The location only of a phone is given to law enforcement, not text messages, no call information, no, no pictures, content no content, all. none of that. Just where is the device? That's it. And it's only in those what uh, law enforcement term exigent circumstance where somebody's life is in danger. That's it. Or serious bodily injury. That's the, that's okay. So how do you classify that? How do you define that? Like you didn't know that she was in danger. You just knew she was gone. And I, I mean, right. I'm not saying. Right. Well, but they could through having listened to our, um, because we made a police report, and they listened to our um, oh shoot voicemail. Okay. It's not voicemail. Answering machine at the time. Okay. Where she said, "Hey, I'm running late." Sort of. So they could see from that she's not someone that would just sure it, 
disappear. Yeah. I mean, through through investigation by a law enforcement agency, they. I mean, that's how exigent circumstances are defined. Um, but isn't that a lot of isn't a lot of that discrepancy? I mean, that's that's what I'm trying to understand. How do you how do you define it to where you? Well, here here's what I tell people when I'm testifying. So you and I may not know what an exigent circumstance is, but we spend a lot of time, money, and resources training our law enforcement officers on what a life-threatening situation is. Okay. They know what that is. Okay. They know the rules and the protocols in place to know what an exigent circumstance is. And if you don't have a Kelsey Smith Act, there's general federal law that guides the release of that type of information. The problem with that, oversight law that they have is the person that makes the decision if it's an exigent circumstance is the cell phone provider mm. not law enforcement doesn't it make a heck of a lot more sense to have somebody that's trained to handle emergency situations like a law enforcement officer make that determination rather than a person that says well i can up your call plan jeez, <laughs> <laughs> oh, i know what in the world and it, it <sighs> works you know, we were recently in Utah, and um, I got to speak because usually I just let him speak. He's teacher slash law enforcement, so I hey, let him do it. I'm but. just going to say, you're a great speaker. You can hold your own, girl. <laughs> you can hold your own. <laughs> Missy Smith can do a radio show all by herself. <laughs> so I, I spoke in Utah, and I explained, you know, how the law came about like I just did with mm-hmm. you. And I then asked, okay, how many of you in here, because it was law enforcement and social workers and stuff, have ever used a cell phone since 2007 to find someone in an emergency situation? <laughs> Several hands went up. And I said, I'm going to sound a little arrogant right now because Utah has the law. You're welcome. You are welcome. Because <laughs> it's because of our child and the work we do, they have that law. And we saw a baby's face who probably wouldn't be alive without that law. You know, a baby like your baby who, newborn, the mom was an addict or something, and and they just had fear for this baby that it wasn't going to be alive. She wasn't coming in for her appointments. You know, she wasn't. Right. um, Social services was involved. She wasn't doing her check-ins and things like that. So they're concerned for the baby's life. And then the police officer said... Let's locate the mother's phone. They found the baby, and you go from this obviously malnourished baby Mm. to a baby with fat cheeks Mm. and very healthy. Yeah. And that baby is alive because our baby isn't. Mm. For real. Yep. And then another person talked to us about their friend that jumped off of a mountain because they wanted to commit suicide. And while they didn't locate the phone before... She jumped. They located her in time to get her the help she needed, and she's alive. She's still alive. So we hear stories of people being alive because of this law, and it works. Yes. They're welcome. Thank you. If they didn't say thank you, I'll say thank you. Oh, they did. (laughs) Okay, I hope so. Um, So it's we got twenty out of the fifty in the of the uh, in the states. We got we have thirty of fifty done. Where it's passed. We only have 20 more where we need to get it passed. That's what I mean. We got oh, 20 left sorry. to go. 20 left to go of the 50. Right. Um, so 
once we discovered that, or I say we, you discovered that, you know, this is something that can save lives. This could have saved, could have potentially saved our life. Kelsey's life. It would not have saved her. It would not. That's right. You did say that. I remember you saying that. Right. But you would have been able to identify, you know, found the body sooner. Um, But it could potentially save lives. You, you then became an advocate. You were speaking on, you know, I know you were traveling and speaking to different um, state governments. And then you saw the impact you were making, which was then what inspired you to run for the Kansas State Senate. And, that, and then there you won an election and you served one term. Is that correct? I ran, I ran first for the Kansas House. That's right. And won a term there. And then I ran for the Kansas Senate and won a term there. Okay. And then when I got involved is when you lost, which is probably my fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I, I wanted to ask this. Um, and this is getting away a little bit. Did you ever, you, you lost the election, but that doesn't mean you can't ever get back. Did you ever? No, I could, I could run for office. Just again. never just felt a calling in another direction, doing other things. And or? That, that was a season. Um, okay. I, I, the things that I was able to accomplish while I was in the Kansas legislature, particularly when it came to victims rights and uh, dealing with, uh, crimes and the way that they're handled in court and those types of things. I was able to do a lot of, of things. Sure. That, so that you accomplished a lot of things that you were seeking out to do. My question then, as it pertains to the Can- the Kelsey Smith act, was the act established prior to you becoming elected? Yes, it was. Yes. So the, the it wasn't a situation just because I want to make it clear for the listeners. It wasn't a situation like Greg's going to go in here. He's got this mission to get elected. And once he gets what he wants elected, Hey, I'm out of here. Oh, no, no, no. no. Two, yeah. 2009 is when the Kelsey Smith Act passed in Kansas. That was the very first state. And I didn't get into office until uh, 2011. Okay. But that was another one of those where we sat down and said, Hey, look what we accomplished with just this. Mm-hmm. Imagine if one of us, and we had kids at home, so it was him. Yeah. If one of us ran for office, how much more could be accomplished? Right. Do you feel I mean, like that that experience being in Topeka and in the political scene gave you experience and maybe a little savvy to be able to then understand how state government works? Oh, yes. Not that, not that you didn't, not that you're ignorant to it all being, you know, especially in law enforcement, but it had to cut because let's face it. There's some things that happen behind the curtains that we all don't know about. Oh, absolutely. And in order for you to accomplish what you want to accomplish, which is saving lives with the Kelsey Smith Act, you're going to have to understand how the the wheel is greased. Yep. Right? And so that had to be incredibly, it's, it's especially, I'm sure there were some things that were like, hey, this is really cool. And there were some things like, that's really dirty and grimy. Can, is there anything about that? It opened the doors also. That's my point. Yeah, it opened a, the doors and it gave... Right. So he was in session and I did a lot for the Kelsey Smith Act. First, because it was my brainchild, but secondly, because he was in Topeka. So Mm -hmm. it opened a lot of doors for us to say, my husband is a state senator in Kansas. So people would listen a little more. Absolutely. Because they're like, oh, you understand the process. You know how this works. And same thing when you, you know, you go into the committee process and you have to testify in front of a committee. Um, knowing the the nuances of how that works in committee and right. and what makes an impact on a committee compared to what doesn't make an impact on a committee. Uh, I mean, I can tell you when I was in committee, 
uh, as a senator and somebody's coming in to testify either for or against the bill, if they stand up there and read their testimony, I'm like, I got your copy right here. Just tell me what's important. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I wasn't telling them that, but <laughs> no, I I'm know. thinking we can all read. I bet you wanted to tell them that. <laughs> tell me the good stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and that makes an impact, though. I mean, and these are the people that make the decisions on whether a bill passes or not, if it even yeah. gets out of committee. So it's that, you know, we had some insight then on how to make an impact on a committee and, and learned how to bullet point testimony so that you're not reading. And so you can just hit the high points and learn how to listen for the types of questions. It, it also taught us who to target, like who you speak to, to maybe get it to, to yeah. the next person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and I will tell you, um, it's not a Republican or a Democrat issue. We probably have a few more Democrat sponsors because they are all about victims. Republicans are about law and order. Yeah. So it's also what it taught us was how do you approach a certain um, legislator mm-hmm. t- to make your point also? Yeah. So the, the, I guess what I was just trying to get at is that I, I'm sure there was a lot of eye-opening moments getting into PICA, understanding how the system works. There was things that you learned that, that were going to help you advance your, your agenda. Yes. You know, you know, right. it, not knowing who to talk to, how to present yourself and, you know, using your leverage to to get uh, to have the credibility, because unfortunately, just being the parents of a victim. Uh, right. Wasn't enough. You know, right. you, you had to know how to grease the wheel and yes. being in politics helped you do that. So now you're not in politics, though, and you got 20 more states to go. So how are you going to do it? Well, it's the same way. Um, reaching out, making contacts in those states that don't have it. Uh, one, and one of the huge things that, that helps us make those contacts are the fact that I travel the United States mm-hmm. and train law enforcement on these, on, you know, cell phones and locating and, and all the laws that are out there, federal laws, federal case laws, um, and working with them so that they understand that helping them design policies for their agencies so that they have the best procedures in place to be able to do these types of locates that information gets out there and then like officers will come up after I do a presentation or a seminar and they're like, why don't I have this in my state? I said, I don't know. Why don't you have it in your state? Who do we need to talk to? Yeah. Who do you know in your state legislature that would be interested in doing something? What's the pushback? I mean, you've talked to every state. You, there's no way you haven't talked so, or at least tried right. every state. What's the pushback? The pushback is cell phone providers are doing a better job. We met with them in, I think, 2016, and they said, Mrs. Smith, we learned from her case. I said, that's great. Um, We only had 16 states at the time because I said, can you guarantee me that every provider is releasing this information? And their response was no. And I said, I'll see you in the other 34. So they are doing a better job. And some in law enforcement, like Florida, they don't think they need it. We were just in Florida, and... It was the legislator's office that I talked to. His staff said, we contacted our state agency. They don't think we need it. When we talked in Tampa to the analysts, they said, what do they mean we don't need it? They're not on the street seeing this. We do need this. Do they tell? Do they say why they think they don't need it? Because well, the provider's release. That the, oh, that's the best answer you can get. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and here's what it, it boils down to. You're talking about those things you learned being in the legislature. State legislatures, when they want an opinion on something that's going on in law enforcement, they'll ask the state agency. So 
Florida Department of, uh, what is it, FDLE? FDLE. FDLE. That's who they asked. They don't ask Tampa City Police Department what's going on. They don't ask so-and-so County Sheriff's Department what's going on. They ask the state agency, which, while, yeah, they're law enforcement, they have a different function than the local guys do. Mm -hmm. And they may... Now, they may deal with one of those cases once a year, whereas the cities and counties may deal with those a couple times a month or more. But the one thing the law does also for the cell phone providers, because they support the law, is it gives them immunity from being sued if they do release that information in an exigent circumstance. So it gives them some cover, too, so that they... That, that, that makes me... I was going to ask this earlier. Um, so I'm sorry to get off topic a little bit, but I, I got to ask it since you brought it up. You never sued Verizon. No. Do you regret that? No. Not at all. That was part of the, that was another one of those epiphanies we had. I mean, after all the shit that they didn't like, it's not like they ever really made it right. Here's what I said to him, Ronnie. And why was he fired? What I said to him was it either takes lawsuits or legislation to make big corporations if we'd have sued, do you think we'd have the Kelsey Smith Act in 30 states? See, this is why I'm not in your shoes. We and, didn't sue. And the reason that the, that the regional president lost his job is he, during that he conversation apologized. with us in the DA's office, he said, you I'm, know, s- I'm sorry things didn't go right that night or we didn't handle it well that night. So who's the guy who lets that guy in that position go? Is it the owner of Verizon, the CEO? Like who? Oh, I don't know. I don't know, but those three lawyers that were with him told somebody. <laughs> yeah, they definitely ratted him out. And that's why. Definitely. Because he literally told us, I am handling your account from now on. He's the president of I'm the of president the of the company, and if you, have, yeah. if you need to up your calling plan, you, you call me. And then a week later, he's not there anymore. And so then you you did what you were going to say you didn't do. You call back a couple of weeks later. You didn't. You got somebody entirely different. Is that when all communication with Verizon stopped, or did you still continue to call back and try to? Um, we made contact with Verizon as we went to testify in different states because because yeah. they were there. And I mean, it's it's nice tactic. I like that. You know, because they, they have lobbyists that go and testify at state government just like they do at the federal level, and. You know, there are, you meet the lobbyists and... and They're just doing their job. They're just doing their job. They had nothing to do with what happened that night with Kelsey. They weren't the ones on the other end of the phone. But it's interesting to hear... I bet they're parents with kids, though. Yeah. But you'd hear stories like, okay, look, the Smiths are going to come in and testify. It's going to sound really bad. We look awful. We look terrible. But they really are nice people. And what they're saying... (laughs) Needs to be heard. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and um, if you want to see something kind of funny, there's some YouTube video out there from when we testified in Minnesota, Minnesota of the, the gentleman there, and they'd ask him a question, and I would say something. And I mean, someone put it together, but it is hilarious. All right, I got to look that up. I'm going to make a note of that. YouTube, Minnesota. Kelsey Smith, yeah, or Missy Uh, Smith. It might come up better there. Okay, so that was going to bring me to, so where are we at with Minnesota? Is it done there? Minnesota has it. It was one of the early states. Nice. Okay, so. I can't tell you the 20 that don't have it, but if you ask me. You said I could ask you anything. What are the 20 states (laughs) that don't have the Kelsey Smith Act? We didn't say we'd answer everything. (laughs) (laughs) If you ask me a state, I can tell you if it has it. I can tell you because I'm pulling up the map. Okay. Yes. So go to kelseysarmy.org. 
So you can post it, but you can't say it. Well, no, I don't. I don't know. Oh, you don't know. Oh, 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 gotcha. If you go, if you go to Kelsey'sArmy.org and okay. click on the, Do you have it right there? It, I can't get it to come up. Okay, because the internet down here is terrible unless you're on the Wi-Fi, Greg. <laughs> so, it's, yeah, if you go to Kelsey'sArmy.org, there's there. a tab I that had it in says my... the Kelsey Smith Act. Click or on the Kelsey Kelsey's Smith Act tab. Oh, wow, that's me. Look at me. I'm on the yeah. Oh, yeah. page. That's kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, we shared, man. Um, all right, so where do I go? Kelsey Smith, uh, Act. Kelsey Smith Act. Kelsey Smith Act. Here we go. There's the map. There's the map. Okay. What? And so past is in blue. Introduced is in dark. Of course, it's the East Coast. Yeah. Light blue's past. Dark blue means that they've been working it this year. Yellow. Those that pass is Kelsey blue. That's what we call it. Carolina blue is Kelsey blue. What is that? Uh, so what does that mean? What? What does it mean? The ones that that. So there's past, and then there's. Kelsey, oh, the Kelsey's Blues pass. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I was yeah, looking at sorry. contact made, and I was thinking that was Kelsey Blue. So no. there's introduced, there's contact made, and then there's did not pass, which means it had been introduced, con- contact had been made, had been introduced, and they shut it down. Or, or it may not time, have just gotten The clock worked. ran out in that legislative session before it got through, or there could be a number of reasons. Okay. Right. If so, you ask me, Estate, I can tell you what happened there. All right. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about this. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see. So Wisconsin, I know that there are people who listen to this podcast who live in Wisconsin. So contact Representative Jesse James. See, I told you, if you ask oh, me. Oh, she is good. He, he, Damn. Representative Jesse James has reached out to law enforcement to see where they're at with it, and he is wanting to work at next session. And that started because I did a presentation right. for Wisconsin law enforcement, and they said, Here's, we're going to contact somebody, and then he contacted us. Here's how you get to Wisconsinites. You tell yeah. them that Minnesota I mean, did it, it was one of the first. Jesse James, what a name. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I think, I think they were third. Who? Fourth. Minnesota. Fourth. Minnesota. So there's such oh, this huge competition between Minnesota and Wisconsin. I was trying to be a play a funny there. <laughs> also there, Ronnie, if you look, it's listed the states when it was signed by their governor. So you will oh, see. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Hey, New Jersey, way to go, number two. Yeah. That is incredible. All right. So but all right. So and then the I'll, other thing that map does, if you any state on there, if you click on it. You will see the le- what the legislation wording is for the state, how they how they wrote it up and passed it. Okay. And if there's a broken link, let us know because that maps me. I'm the one that does everything behind the scenes. I'm the one that are does we close? Are we getting close? Um, you're probably thinking, are we getting close to ending this podcast? Are we getting close with any of these states that ha- it, where it has been introduced? No, not even remotely close. Well, the states that what is dark blue introduced? Yeah. Okay, so dark blue introduced that those were states that had it a bill in session this year, um, and for whatever reason, some of those, a lot of those states only have a part-time session like we do in Kansas. A couple of them, like New York, go all year. So there's still a possibility that something could happen there, but probably will not. Are we getting close with anybody that hasn't done it yet? Not this year. Not, Not this, this year. year. Last year, we had a really good year. Um, what I'm trying to do is do a screenshot of this map. I don't know if that's going to maybe be a dumb thing to do or not, because I want to try to figure out to put this in the video version of the 
podcast so that I people can, can see. A, a that's all right. I got a screen. I got a screenshot of it right now. All right. So we're looking at the ones that uh, that had it has been introduced okay. and not passed, which is Georgia. South Carolina. South Carolina, which I've got family and people who listen to this podcast who are in South Carolina. Who do they need to call? So, Brian Adams okay. will introduce it. He's actually a former deputy on the department Greg worked at there. So, we have mutual friends. And he is a new legislator and just kind of apologized to me. He will work at next session. Um, and Joe... I can't remember Joe's last name. He's the representative out of Goose Creek. He doesn't return calls very well, so mm. I will get you his name. Okay. North Carolina, we got it through the House mm. with Representative Pat Hurley. Getting it through the Senate has been hard. We've gotten it through the House three times. Wow. What's the hang-up in the Senate? Finding a senator that'll sponsor it. I found a guy there whose wife was from Iowa, and I sent All him this long message. All the stuff out there that a senator will sponsor, and they won't sponsor this? Yeah. What the hell is wrong with people? Okay. Um, Washington, D.C., District of Columbia. We have to have a legislator, a senator, or a representative that will work a bill. They keep drafting it, but we can't get them off their butts to actually work it. You got to work it to get it through. It's been since 2009. The closest we came was Representative Kevin Yoder. He got it through. He's the one that arranged a meeting for us with um, the representatives, cell phone representatives. We got a vote on the House floor, and they did a maneuver because they didn't want a lot of amendments coming forth, Mm -hmm. so we had to get a supermajority vote, not just a majority, and it didn't get the supermajority vote. Massachusetts? Um, it's Colleen Gary. She has proposed it a couple of times, but it's getting it worked. Maryland. Um, there was a representative oh, wait there, a their delegate. That's, yeah, never mind. yeah Sorry, there's a delegate there who totally understood the reason because she had a friend that they couldn't get their cell phone location information to save their life. But um, I think her name is Williams. I've talked to her on the phone, but it just didn't get worked. Um, New York. New, New York is... Assemblywoman Seawright. Yeah, and they, they got involved with it because of some incidents that have happened in New York, but there's so much crap going on in New York right now. <laughs> um, that was proposed before all of the governor crap and COVID. I mean, a lot of this, to be fair... COVID hit. Yeah. Senator Roberts was really working it in Kansas, and we thought it was going to pass, and then COVID. And everything's been all COVID since. Yeah. Maine. Maine, we had several um, hearings and it a vote. It didn't pass their... Um, didn't get out of committee. Right. Oh. Right. No, they had a floor vote. They couldn't get it past the House in Maine. Wow. That's Representative Pickett, and that was um, Senator Searway. Yep, Senator Searway. Um, I'm a little shocked about Ohio. Should I be? Well, Ohio was interesting. Missy went there to testify. Twice. And the bill was going along just swimmingly, and then the whole Snowden affair happened. <laughs> And it was like, oh, my God, they're tracking everything. (laughs) Yes, but I also reached out to a senator recently, Giovanno, who's a female senator, and she seemed like she was going to work it, and I've left her messages and stuff, and it's just not happening. Okay. 
So those are the ones that it has been introduced but has not passed yet. Um, But then there's those that uh, contact has been made, um, and that is Texas. What the hell, Texas? And and here's the thing with that, Ronnie. Really? I present every year at the Dallas Crimes Against Children Conference, which is one of the biggest law enforcement conferences in the United States. There's over 6,000 law enforcement officials actually from across the world that show up in Dallas for this conference. And and I give the, the seminar on the Kelsey Smith Act and Kelsey's case. And almost every single time I have law enforcement officers from Texas come up to me and go, why don't I have this act? And I said, I don't know. Why don't you? Who, so who do there, we need to talk to? There was a senator I contacted. Um, I don't remember the name of that one and sent all kinds of information and talked to her staffer and she was like okay we're, we're gonna get, do this i think it was a female and then there was a male representative i reached out to because he proposed a law that basically the government couldn't track your cell phone for covid and i said okay this is a tie-in and i sent him all kinds of information and that's why i said contact had been made neither of them are responding mm. yeah mm-mm-mm it's weird when I'm looking through this list, and you're right. This has nothing to do with right of the aisle or left of the aisle. I'm seeing red states. I'm seeing blue states here. Yep. Well, and I will tell you, in Nevada, it was now the AG, Aaron Ford. He is probably the most left-wing person you will ever meet, and he was very um, receptive and and proposed the law and, and worked it. It doesn't have her name on it there because they don't do that, and that's okay. Um, New Mexico, same thing. They're, so what did they call it? It's, it's just, it's a just law. whatever it's, the law is. Cell oh, phone location. So it's just a number. Yeah. That's okay. That's I don't fine. Care. As long as it serves well, the like purpose. Kentucky, what- Kentucky calls it the Leah Carter Act. There's a young lady who um, was swept away with floodwaters in her car, and they couldn't get the cell phone information from the company to find her, to try to locate her. And she Now, this is just a couple of years ago, so it's still she, happening. And she died. Um, and so... They knew all about the Kelsey Smith Act, but they chose to name it Leah Carter because of what happened in their state. I don't care what you call yeah, it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's not, I get it. Um, I mean, but it is Kelsey Smith Act. Yeah. Like well, they, right? Yeah, you know what I, I mean? I, I, I see where you're going with it, but yeah. like, this is, this is I, I your reached, work. This is her yes. memory. Like this, like at the end I of the day, out. let's save some lives, but. I reached out to the legislator that had sponsored the bill there um, afterwards, and I said, hey, I see that you have sponsored this bill, and I just want to let you know this is passed in, I think, 24 other states. And he said, yes, Mrs. Smith, we are well aware of the Kelsey Smith Act. All right, good, just so you know. I mean, it's this, it's the same wording. They obviously knew. Yeah. But, but in some states it'll happen. I mean, some states we've been there. We've physically been there. We've testified in committee. But in other states, all of a sudden, we'll be like... West Virginia. Yeah, we'll get a Google alert. Uh, the Kelsey Smith Act passed in West Virginia and is like, how did that happen? <laughs> how does that happen? Well, uh, they heard about do, it somewhere. people do the research. There's, a, there's an organization called the National Conference of State Legislators. And they provide um, ostensibly nonpartisan research <laughs> for state legislators. Okay. Um and I was at a uh, a meeting for some kind of criminal law stuff as a law enforcement officer just a couple of years ago, and they had a representative from NCSL there. And I 
on a break, I walked up to her and I said, hey, do you guys, I know you track all these issues and that, do you have anything on the Kelsey Smith Act? And she said, oh, yeah, I can get you what we have. They use our website. Okay. <laughs> sure, let me go to Kelsey'sArmy.org and I'll tell you everything you need to know there, Mr. Smith. Yeah, and we were just at the sheriff's conference, like Greg said, and there was a gentleman there, and I'm just very blunt, we're walking through all the vendor area, and it's someone from the federal law enforcement training center and he's i guess their uh cell phone trainee and so i'm just talking to him because if i see something that says communications i'll stop and ask and i said oh so have you ever heard of the kelsey smith act and he goes yes and i said well that's our daughter and he goes what (laughs) yeah they've heard of it they know he said i am well aware of that act and i said oh good wow (laughs) I'm really surprised at Texas. Really, really, really surprised at Texas. Um, Do you know a legislator there? Well, and I don't. But the other thing you have to remember—I know about people Texas. who live there—and that I feel like, well, I'm just—that's that's where you start getting into that. The other the, thing you have to remember about Texas, though, Ronnie, is they their legislature only meets every other year. Why? Because that's how it's structured in their constitution. Okay, they don't meet every oh, year. Come on, it's the same thing. Is it Washington or Oregon? Which one of those meets every other year? Or Montana? Montana. You mean they're only in and session every two years? Correct. Yeah. They have one, they have a year that is for passing stuff. And then they, the second year they meet to do budget adjustments, but it's like for 10 days and then they're done. That's New Mexico also, which it didn't pass there. That was Senator Mimi Stewart who proposed it, didn't work it. Who gets stuck in New Mexico for a snowstorm? Me. <laughs> You're like basically in the desert, <laughs> or, or and like you get a snowstorm. Rhode Island, yeah, you can live anywhere in the state and still drive to the capital in, in just a couple hours. In so. that, yeah, <laughs> no joke. I mean, that Rhode Island's about the size of Kansas City, not really, but um, what about? So, did we talk about Arizona? I've got people who I lived in Arizona. I got people listening so to podcasts that are in Arizona. It was um, the AG at the time was Dan Levy, and he brought it to law enforcement, and they said we don't want to mess with the relationship we have with the providers. So I, but in all of these Politics. states, I can tell you, even since that time, I have reached out to legislators. Usually, it's like the Judiciary um, Committee, or it'll be Utilities Committee committee i will email every single one to try to get this information to them i've done it to mississippi i've done it to florida i've done it to idaho i'm trying to remember the gray ones um i've done it in california yeah oh california i I bet there's a story there melissa menendez she's a senator there i've reached out to her staff talked to him and there were two other there was a representative glacier and one other person that i've reached out to their staff oh yeah we want to work this nothing wow yep but that's california yeah um so (laughs) here are the states that don't have it passed just for people who are listening because i know we've bounced around california we'll start west and and work our way east so california idaho arizona uh, new mexico i should also include alaska up there in the northwest uh texas mississippi wisconsin michigan ohio Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, District of Columbia, Maryland, Massachusetts, New York, Connecticut, uh, no, not Connecticut, sorry. Oh, no, it is Connecticut. Connecticut's also another one, uh, and Maine, and Vermont. 
Does that sound like all of them? That should be about 20 East of them. Coast, West Coast. Well, no, on the West Coast, it's just California. So East Coast, California. In the South. Texas. Yeah. Interesting. And Alaska. But you can find all of that at kelseysarmy.org, along with a lot of other information, especially about how you can get involved. Um, I'm going to look at something here real quick. Two, two hours and 33 minutes. Okay. Um, <laughs> sorry. No, I'm the one who's sorry. I'm sorry. But I'm, but it's, it's fascinating and it's informative. And for the love of Kelsey Smith, we need to talk about it. So um, how can people get involved? If it, Look, we've talked about calling your representatives, pushing it, bringing it up. Um, if what? you email us at kelseysarmy.org, the comments, or missy at kelseysarmy.org, greg at kelseysarmy.org, we can email you back a legislative packet that has all the information in it that you need to approach your legislator. Okay. You got a golf classic. We do. I think that's yep. the old one. We're just Coming getting up. the new one yeah, up. Yeah, that's and all right. I was right. We just had a charity golf tournament too. So I'm just I'm just going through the yeah, the, the website again. October twenty fourth this year. Uh, it'll be out at Prairie Highlands Golf Course. Is it sold out? No, and we haven't no, even we started. We got it. it up yet uh, okay. for this year. Uh, and we're always looking for sponsors and people that want to donate. For we have a silent auction that's out there and all that kind of stuff. And the money from the the golf tournament that is our primary fundraiser for the entire year and that pays helps pay for us to travel and do these conferences and speak and train law enforcement and we also have all kind which is on the website as well there's all kinds of training seminars for just people regular folks mm -hmm. that we do for safety awareness and and those types of things and i'll say it because I've gotten better about that. When we first started the foundation, I hated asking for money because I felt like I was selling her. And then yeah. I had to get to the point where we are not selling her. We have to have the money to be able to do the things we're doing. And I don't know about your golf classic. Ours doubled in price from the golf course because what was the one thing people could do during COVID? Yeah, play golf. You could go be outside. Yes. So... We need more sponsors. We need more money this year because our price has doubled. Hmm. And we need golfers. What is the uh, what is the price per team, roughly? $150 per that's, golfer. That's a great 600 price. 600 per team. Yeah, that's but a great price. That includes everything. Breakfast, lunch, lunch. free beer all day. Free beer all day? Oh! Yep. Whoa! Uh, Whoa. <laughs> is there a bush light there? Well, you need to work on that. <laughs> There's too much of a pause there. Bush it's, lattes always got to be number one on the list. It's, it's usually Budweiser product. Well, it's it's an Anheuser-Busch product. That's fine. Okay, listen. Uh, Kelsey Smith Army, Kelsey Smith Foundation. I love it. I, I love what you guys are doing. I love what I really love is the no bullshit that, the approach that you guys take and the passion that you have behind it. Naturally, I understand the passion, but, you know, you would think... That, how do I say this? You think the guy who served 20 or, you know, served in the United States Navy and 20 years in law enforcement is the, the brute tough guy, which you are, you are, but you're, you're the first lady. Don't fuck with her. No, nope. no. I'm just going to say it. Mom and dad, if you're listening, sorry for dropping the F bomb, but this is one gal you don't want to mess with. And I love you for that. You are, you're quick on your heels. You're witty. You're fun but you don't take any shit and you know what you want and you're going to do everything you can to get it. And don't 
ever stop. If there's one thing I've learned in professional being uh, in, in my professional career is the fortune is in the follow up. So don't ever give up. No doesn't mean never. It just means not right now. Right. So keep going, keep going. All so right. I'll reach out to you to ask you for some sponsors for yeah, our golf I, tournament. You know that. You know yeah. I, I I I'm going. I will always do everything and anything yep. I can at the time and and leverage any of my resources to help. Well, and I just want to say thank you because when everything first got started, I mean, you were with Q104 and you guys came out. No, seriously. Yeah. No, there's just a story that we need to tell about that, but we'll get to it in a second. You, Go ahead. you guys were awesome. You guys came out, and that was actually the funding we needed to be able to start a foundation. People don't realize how expensive it was. And because of you guys broadcasting from there, and Dean Litton, who um, was the director or the manager of the golf course, that gave us a foundation to be able to keep doing this for the last 15 years. Yep. So thank you. Thank you. Well, guys. Mike Kennedy actually had a, the, a major part in that. And we were just in his army and was yeah. doing yeah. what was, oh, we were and, told to uh, do. Mike, Mike was fantastic. I mean, the, the whole morning crew was out there back then. That was Mike, yep. Zeke and Jillian. Jillian. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I got to tell this story though, because I will never forget this. And this is, you know, we're trying to find humor in, in some of this stuff because we have to. Um, how, how I really met Greg and Missy Smith, (laughs) how I really met them. Do we want to know this? I know where it was. No, you know, you know that, (laughs) you know that. So here's, here's what really happened. I am actually at the time doing the night show at Q104. So I'm doing seven to midnight, but on this particular day, which would have been, I don't know, maybe a couple weeks or shortly after. It wasn't long after um, Kelsey's passing. Oh, it was his birthday, October eighth, two thousand seven. I can tell you exactly when it was. When the you called the when you called tournament. the radio station. No, 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 no. This is when you called the oh, radio station. No, okay. No. You don't know what happened, so you don't even remember. So I am filling yeah, in. Story. I'm filling in for Shotgun Jackson doing the afternoon show, and I get a woman calling the the the, the request line. And you got to remember, I'm a radio personality. So I'm here, I'm diving in, I'm having some fun. And Missy had a really upbeat personality and she had a, and she was sounding sexy on the phone and I'm flirting with her and I'm like, woo, baby, what's going on? And she's flirting back and all of this. I have no idea that this is a mother of an 18 year old daughter who was just murdered, you know, like I have no idea. And so I'm just going along. Of course I got the computer recording over here. I'm thinking this is going to be a nice little radio bit that I'm going to play back on the air. And then I'm like, yeah, so what's your name? And she's like, yeah, well, I'm actually, I'm looking for Mike Kennedy. My name is Missy Smith. And I wanted to die. I wanted to die right there. I just got done spending the last, I don't know, 90 seconds, two minutes, whatever it was, flirting with this girl and telling, girl, you sound good. What you doing today? You know, and she's like, oh, you sound good too. You don't remember this? No. Oh my gosh. I, I remember it because I was, I wanted to die. I wanted <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I am so sorry. And you're like, why? No, everything's fine. No. And I was just, I was, I, I'm just trying to do this radio show. And I'm just, no, you're fine. I'm like, yeah, 
now you want to talk to my boss. Now you want to talk to Mike Kennedy. Where is this going to go? And so I, I'm freaking out, like thinking that, like, you know, I'm trying to call and talk to you about this foundation we're doing for my daughter who passed away. And and your DJ is flirting with me on, on the phone. And I'm now going to have Mike walking into the studio going, what in the world did you do? So I'm like, I better get in there and tell him first. I'll be like, before you talk to Missy, I just got to let you know I had no idea it was her. I was just trying to do a bit on the air. I was just trying to do a little flirting and she was flirting back you know and like it was I, i'm really sorry and he's like go back in the studio just you're good you're good and uh and so, so then then about that all these years i don't even no, no, remember no. but it, it was then it was the next time at whiskey tango which is where you guys were getting ready to say right and that's when we got to come together and i brought up maybe maybe you didn't hear me say it it was loud environment whatever but i was like I brought up that night that I, or that I had, when you had called in and I was like, I just hope, you know, I was just doing my job and we're all laughing. Maybe we had a couple cocktails. I don't know. We just, we've forgotten about it, but but we all bonded on that night. And ever since then we've been friends. That is how I remember being introduced to the Smith family. That's how I was introduced to the Smith family. All right, let's wrap this. I probably wasn't. Flirting that much no, because I've been I, married uh, for... I, well, okay, so let me rephrase. When I say flirting, like you were just playing along yeah. with the act that was going on. Again, I'm a radio personality. This is what I was paid to do. Anyway, so let's move on. It's a funny story, though. It really is. It's that embarrassing is for me, especially with right around the timing because I was humiliated. Um, one of the reasons why you guys are here, and we're going to talk about this, and then we're going to wrap this up, because I do want to talk about the, and, and I think Greg alluded to it a little bit earlier, about the trauma that you, you can't control and the things that, it, when something like this happens, uh, there is a psychological side to it. And you had actually reached out to me because you had listened to the podcast that I had done that was discussing PTSD. Yep. And it must have had some sort of impact to you or, or, or on you. And you must have related to it in some capacity to where you felt inclined to reach out and say, I listen to the show. I love what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. And I was right. like, damn, I need to have Greg on the show. And so I would be remiss if I didn't talk about PTSD for at least a moment before we let you out of here. And I'm so sorry to keep you late, but you, you, you mentioned to me in your message that the PTSD was something that had, had been from your time in serving in the U S Navy and in the 20 years of doing U S military. I mean, I'm sorry, um, doing law enforcement rather. Um, what effects did Kelsey's Kelsey's murder have on something that you were already struggling with? Yeah, it's interesting. Cause when I, when I finally got the diagnosis and I got the diagnosis in a weird way, I was having neck problems and I went to my regular old primary physician um and she was checking a few things asking me a few questions and next thing i knew i was crying in the office talking to the doctor wow what Uh, when was this uh, this was two years ago Uh, yeah you were diagnosed two years ago yeah wow so you'd been internalizing this oh probably for a long time what were the symptoms besides the neck issue? Um, he hit his wife in the head in his sleep. <laughs> I did. I punched you're, her in bed. Oh, oh, I thought it was like roll over and smack. No, like you're no, saying no, no, you no, thought no. you were in a fight yeah. and you hit her. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, For my real. gosh. Yeah. And we'd been married 30 some years. And, and did this, so this happened in the last couple of years? Yeah. yeah. 
Oh my yeah. gosh! And I, I bet you kicked his ass. It after happened. That, didn't right? you? No, I, <laughs> well, it happened right before COVID started because yeah. I was going to uh, going to therapy, yep. and then we. Start, I remember even talking a couple times when they first started talking about yep. COVID. So that was the time frame when I was diagnosed. Uh, but the interesting thing is, the wow. primary primary physician at that time, her husband was a police officer, and so she picked up on a lot of things. She knew the questions to ask. Um, and then part of my job that I do for the sheriff's office now is I'm part of peer support. Um, so while I was probably helping other people without even realizing the situation that I was in, um, so I had some contacts, I knew some people to, to reach out to and make contact with a therapist who's a former Navy SEAL. Um, and maybe this is a plug or not, but I don't, yeah, plug away. His name is Walt Disney, honest to God. <laughs> Walt Disney. He's a former Navy SEAL. Um, but how he, old is he? He gets it. He's is it no relation to the he's, Disney he's family? Probably ten years younger than me. Okay. Um, but he's um, he gets it. He he works with a lot of first responders, so he and veterans, so he he understands that. Um, but it, the interesting thing going through therapy with him was there were. Incidents that happened to me, particularly in law enforcement, that as far as I knew, I had handled them just fine. But when it came to therapy and doing EMDR, which is just pure freaking magic, uh, for me it was, it worked so What did well. you call it? EMDR. What is that? It, I knew you were going to ask me. <laughs> it, it okay, so the, you don't I, have to tell me what the acronym I, is. but I movement direction something i'd have to look at what does again. it ultimately mean but it's it's basically you're moving your eyes back and forth following a light or a pattern or a sound or something while you're talking so when a traumatic event happens it, it's like a tbi traumatic brain injury and it breaks those signals in your brain and it doesn't file things right so you have to reconnect those signals so that it files things correctly and the and the simple layman's theory is when we're in REM sleep at night, our eyes are moving back and forth. That's when our brain is filing stuff and putting mm. it where it belongs. And when you have a traumatic incident, the filing system got broke, and the EMDR helps you refile where it belongs. Wow. Um, it works for a lot of people, That's but there really? are some people it doesn't work for, but I, I call it pure fucking magic. <laughs> <laughs> like for um, real. But it worked. It but worked. It worked. And, and yeah. Walt, Was it just that simple? Was I mean, yeah. you were you – were, I mean – I mean, I mean, there's there's therapy, there's talking, there's there's emotion, there's crying, you know, there's all that. So, on stuff. a scale of one to ten, uh, from you know ten being cured, what level were you at after that? Well, I am. I don't think you ever are cured from PTSD. What I'm trying to do is figure as, out the significance of the that yeah, impact. I'm, I would say a ten. Like he's not hitting me anymore. Okay, that's, and it was, that's good. It wasn't like ongoing. It was just once. Yeah. He responds to things better. He isn't as snappy, mm. although he can be. And I can tell when he's having one of those PTSD moments. But he has learned the skills he needs to be able to better deal with them than to just file it away. Because he would tell me. Why do you always have to talk about things so much? Why can't you not just put it in a box and put it up on the shelf and then you're done with it? Yeah. And I was like, no, that's not the way I function. Well, yeah. now that's not the way he functions. He's yeah. learned you can't just put it up and in a I, box. And I would say I'm an 8, not a 10. 
Okay. <laughs> but that's 80% better than you were. Yeah. That's what oh, I'm trying yeah. to get. I'm trying to figure out the significance of what this one procedure, the E M. Well, it's, it's that procedure is part of it, but I mean, I still had to learn the, the skills that I need. Um, breathing, find, breathing is huge. Breathing. Oh my God. I find myself in, in, and look, I'm still a work in progress with my issues, but I, in probably the last couple months, especially I've noticed that when I get real tense and I'm not trying to claim that I have PTSD, but I, but I did get diagnosed with depression that I get in those tense moments and the brain is just going all over the place. I will be sitting there and I'll catch myself not breathing. Right. Mm -hmm. Like not breathing. And then all of a sudden I'll go, and I'll be like, holy shit, that felt good. Like, Like, why wasn't I doing that before? What, what was it in my head that just told me don't breathe? I mean, one of the, one of the things Walt would have me do is when I, when I walk to a door and I reach for the doorknob, five, five breaths. Huh? Just, and just got in that habit. So when I do that, it's something I do. So when you came to my door tonight, subconsciously, of course I answered the door pretty quick. So you didn't get a chance to get five breaths in, but that's what but, you do every time you go to a doorknob. But uh, Most of the time. Yeah. yeah. But it, huh. breathing's huge. I mean, if you, if you want to watch people that get breathing, watch a major league baseball game. Everybody does it. Pitchers, Pitchers batters, yeah. fielders. That's true. They're all doing it. That I mean, you true. watch Hunter Dozier every single time. Yeah. Before he bats. Yeah. <laughs> and there, there were true. times, Ronnie, when everything was happening with Kelser, if I feel overwhelmed, I would literally talk myself through it. In through the nose, uh-huh. out through the mouth. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just like something connects there. Okay. Yeah. yeah and I would makes, say to sense. people, even with depression, I mean, why not try EMDR? It it. it May work for you. It may down. not, but it could be a tool in your toolbox to help make things better. Sure. Did you? Um, all right, I'm going to try to wrap this up. Do you? You talked about how in your time, mostly in law enforcement, so it wasn't as much from your time in the Navy. No, not so much. I okay. mean, I was. I would. I spent ten years in the Navy. I was on submarines, which some people would say that's enough to cause PTSD. Probably, but, <laughs> yeah. Um, but You're I, a big guy. I don't know. Like those, you got to be a small guy to be on a submarine. How did that work? Oh, it works. It okay, works. okay. Um, but he was in the Navy during the Cold War, so there were there yeah, was it wasn't not... any hot conflicts. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. You know, gotcha. It was all Cold War stuff. Gotcha. Um. So, but yeah, law enforcement. I saw you know saw a lot of things, dealt with a lot of things. Can you? Can you? again, if you're not comfortable, it's fine. But can you kind of give me an example of, of something that you saw that you felt like you handled just fine, but it caused trauma to where then it didn't get filed correctly in your mind? Yeah, there was one incident where I wasn't even on duty that night. I was at home, and a friend of mine had stopped by that was on duty, and we were sitting out in the front yard, standing out in the front yard talking, and a call came in, um, and it sounded kind of like a hot call and he says hey you want to go with me on this at that time the department i worked for we didn't have much backup so i was like yeah i'll go with you go long story short um a young kid 18 19 years old uh had gone to his friend's house knocked on the bedroom window of his friend said hey i need to talk to you the friend is in the bedroom with his girlfriend they're watching a movie he opens the window and it's like hey you know, whatever this kid's name was, I'll, I'll be out in a few minutes. Can, you know, I want to finish the movie and then I'll come out and talk to you. They knew that he was having some issues 
So the kid goes back out into his truck, and he's sitting there in the truck. Movie's over. His friend goes out, opens the passenger door, gets in, sits down, starts talking to him, puts his hand on his shoulder because he's not responding, and the light didn't come on when he got in the truck. Um, his friend falls to the side, and this kid immediately freaks and goes into shock because what had happened is his buddy had gone over there to tell him goodbye went back out on the truck put a shotgun in his mouth blew the top of his head off this his friend gets in sits down in the truck he's sitting in brain matter doesn't know it because the truck's dark because it blew out the light on the, the interior light on the inside and so we're dealing with him. I I helped get him in the house and telling his dad, hey, you really should get him out of these pants, you know, and all this kind of stuff. I go back to help secure the crime scene. And I just remember thinking, here's this kid, and he from from here up. So the middle of his nose to the top of his forehead. It's gone all the way to the back of his head. There's nothing there. It's like this white porcelain punch bowl with red wine in it. Wow. That's what it looked like to me. That's that's the thought I had, is it kind of looks like a punch bowl. Um, and, you know, we secured the scene, did all that stuff, packed him up into body bag, got him out of there, all that. I went home, um, told Missy, well, that was some call. You know, How old were you at the time? 30-something. Um, so he became a police officer on Kelsey's first birthday. Oh, really? Yeah. For real. Yep. Oh, and and how long were you in the for the is this with this particular example? How long had you been in law enforcement when that had happened? When that happened, I had been in law enforcement for about four years. That's okay. what I was thinking. Four. So four of the twenty. Um, because you is it fair to say because you told that story first that that is one of the most uh, significant. Uh, impactful memories that maybe weighs the most heavily on your mind? It, it's one that did. It doesn't now, um, which is why I, I can talk about it. Yeah. Um, there were a couple other. But the struggle you had with it is, you know. The, the, the interesting things were the things that came up in therapy, like that story and a couple others I can think of, every single one of those that turned out to be a trigger point for me or an issue for me were all things that I thought I handled. Why, I, why did you think that? Because I wasn't having like reoccurring thoughts about it or anything you like that. You didn't have any depression, any anxiety. You you know, I could tell you several instances where he came home and th there was one where a young man was shot in a drive-by and um greg is is helping the mother it's right at the high school first thing in the morning and um he said came home and said i was basically blowing smoke up the mother's ass as i know her son is dying that incident he processed and worked through that day so i think there were some where he did but those that he didn't are what caused mm. Yeah, the the ones that didn't file right, yeah, for whatever reason, um, were the ones, you know, and it, were there things about Kelsey that didn't file right? Absolutely, that's where we need to get to next. Yes, absolutely. But 
to me, one of the biggest wow factors, shock factors for me was the things that were putting me in that where I was snappy all the time or isolation was a huge, is a huge symptom for PTSD. Just stay away from people. Just don't don't even bother me. He would just, when our grandkids come over, I mean, we both have hearing loss since Kels and it does get loud and sometimes overwhelming. He would just go to the bedroom, stay away from everybody. And I'm like, oh no, 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 no. We are not having that. Yeah. No, I can understand why you'd feel that way. I can tell you that I sometimes feel like that. Sometimes I feel like when Rachel, my wife, comes in the door and then, then there's the three kids and you saw how it can get a little, they're, yep. got the baby crying, wah, wah, I need a bottle, and Rhett's pissed off because the baby's getting attention and he isn't, and Reagan's just an eight-year-old girl and she's got that really high-pitched voice, and I'm like, I feel like the temples in my head are going to explode, my eyeballs are going to bust out, and yep. I don't have the mental capacity for this. I want to run away and... I, you're, you're saying that I've tried that. <laughs> I want you to know I need to do it more probably. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is, is I get where you're feeling with that yep. and what you you're saying then the EMDR was a huge factor of that learning to breathe more frequently and taking those deep breaths was a huge factor in, in getting over just, that. Just being aware of, of the different coping strategies that are out there. And there's tons of them and some will work for some people and some won't. Are you medicated? And no, no. So no. everything you've done is taken um, a holistic approach. I was, when it first, when I was first diagnosed before I got to the therapist, before I started seeing Walt, I was on medication to help me sleep. Okay. Cause I didn't sleep well. Um, and I think the second time I met with Walt, he was like, do you think you need that medication? And I said, I don't know. My doctor gave it to me, so I'm assuming I'm supposed to have it. And he said, let's see if we can get you to go to sleep without it. And I'm like, okay, I'm willing. I'll sure. Try. sure. And that but- I think that's a huge part there, too. You have to be willing to make the changes that you need to make. Mm-hmm. If you're not at that point where you're willing to make those changes, then I don't care what you do. I don't think it'll work. If but you're not, the change if you're not could willing... Also- the change could also be medication because uh, yeah, some people may need that. I'm not, right. I'm not ta- down talking medication. I'm just saying you have to be willing. You have to accept what the therapist is telling you. And in order to do that, you have to have a good relationship with that therapist. And if the first one, if you don't have a, if, if you're not feeling it with that first therapist, then go to a new one, mm-hmm. get another one mm-hmm. until you find the one that you connect with. Cause that's a crucial, <laughs> crucial part of it. I mean, Walt and I connected on so many levels. He's former Navy. He's a seal. I was on submarines. We used to take seals different places. So I've been yeah. around seals. He gets law enforcement. I mean, there were just so many things that we connected on. Yeah. yeah. So was the, was hitting Missy in your sleep? I, I'm sorry. I shouldn't laugh at that, but no, you uh, didn't laugh. <laughs> was that the breaking moment? It yes. was for me. Yeah, I yeah. was like, I was absolutely mortified. Well, I can imagine it because I know how much you love her. And um, and then he he calls me from the doctor's office when she stepped out, and he said she diagnosed me with PTSD, and I said no. 
<laughs> like, really? And he's so said, sympathetic. <laughs> yeah, for, and he, so he, much empathy there, Missy. She's he, like, I should have a PhD. I could have diagnosed you 20 years ago on this. Well, and then he sends me, she came back in and she talked to him and, and gave him this book that would really help with it. And um, when he got home, I said to him, the book's on its way. It should be here tomorrow. Like yeah. it was ordered before he even made it home. Yeah. Yeah. But there's, there's a, it's better now than it was, but particularly back in the early nineties, when I started in law enforcement, uh, the, the thought process was, okay, so you've just been involved in a, in a shooting, or you just responded to a terrible scene like the one I described, um, you know, go home, drink some beer. You'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and And there was a lot of that. I'll be honest. There was a lot of, I mean, we had a lot of choir practice. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I feel like that was like a generation of like just, well, well, years of gener, I mean, many generations, but I talk about this on my podcast frequently, you know, I feel like that there's a certain generation that we grow up, like I'm 46. I know you guys are a little bit older than that, but like, there's a generation of like, Hey, men don't show their emotions. You know, we're not, we're taught not to show our emotions where, and I'm not saying my parents did anything wrong. You know, that's probably how his parents, you know, were they were farmers and hard workers and yep. you know, that's, you don't share your emotions. You rub some dirt on you. Get, like you just get to work. You that's know? funny. You say that because he and Kelsey that last year of her life really went at it. Cause she was a crier. Like she would cry over anything. Drove me nuts. And, and yeah, he would say, damn it, Kelsey. Well, you're just pissed because I'm crying. And yep. then it hurt. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. were trying to toughen her up. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then at, her funeral he said i understand the crying yeah yeah well and that i'm not trying to make this about me but it's the thing that is the bench it's the benchmark reason staple reason for why i'm even doing this podcast because i internalized a lot of things that had happened to me that eventually took a physical effect on my body it does. It yep. does. and I realized that uh, there was so much shame that I was holding in because I had failed or at least I felt like a failure and anyway blah 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 on and on and on the point is internalizing is destructive it is so destructive and if I would have known what I, then what I know now it would have been a whole different approach and so I appreciate the fact um, I'm sorry that it took Missy getting hit for it to happen, but I appreciate the fact that you are recognizing the importance of opening up and, and the fact that, I mean, for some guy, like even for me, like me talking about it right now, I still cringe inside. I'm like, oh yeah, but here's the thing, Ronnie. But it's got to be hard for you too, a little bit, isn't it? Like you're, you're vulnerable. You were years that you were like, yeah, like that. And, it, and again, you know, here's the thing back, back in the nineties when I was, you know, I, I was the big tough guy chasing bad guys on the street yeah, doing all that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, you know, we would, we would I mean, I can remember a group of us sitting around the pool drinking beer and all of us talking about some bad call that we'd had in the last two or three weeks. And so, you know, was that a form of therapy? Maybe, you know, I can even remember a conversation where I said, we probably all have some kind of PTSD mm. and that was back in the nineties. Yeah. You know, so, um, it, you have to realize that where you're at with it, yeah. you have to accept what you need to do to change it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a faith component in there as well, because, you know, it's like the serenity prayer, the things you can change, you can change the things you can't, you got to learn to accept. Yeah. Well, Um, and that's what I was just going to say about when you said you wish you'd have done things differently and that 
if you change any one thing in your life where you were at, you change everything. You may not have Rhett. You may not have Riley. Mm -hmm. Because the whole thing changes. You wouldn't have this podcast and you mm -hmm. don't know how many people you're helping with it. So you can't change any of it. That's so true. And, and here's the thing. When I started the podcast, I wish that I could say that I premeditated that I'm going to do this podcast to help other people. And it's just simply not the truth. I, I admit it. I wish I could say that that is the truth, and it's not. What I did by starting the podcast was try to find something, because being that I was 22 years in doing radio, I have a natural ability to do this kind of radio thing. Right. And it gets me back to my roots and making me feel good about doing something that I'm I, maybe not good at, but at least halfway decent at. And I was trying to find something to make myself feel good about myself. <clears throat> like I had purpose in life again and challenge at the same time, challenge myself to being open about something that I had been internalizing for a long time. And in the process of doing all of that, because it was going to be medicine for me, I learned, wow, I'm helping yep. the amount of people that have reached out and I'm not going to embellish it. It's not like it's thousands of people, but it's more people than I can count on two hands. We're that, right there that, with you. That have that's, reached it. Yeah, exactly. That's the Kelsey Smith act. That's 100%. why we talk to people about her case because we don't know. And just like, you know, you said, wow, that's what we get when we get the feedback. Yeah. yeah. That, there's, wow. there's a quote that I, that I do at, in every presentation I do uh, to law enforcement it's from a bereaved dad's group, and he says, I have to talk about it. I have to let it out. I have to cry. I have to celebrate his life. And along the way, I hope I help some people. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the reason I get up on the stage at these conferences in front of hundreds or sometimes thousands of people and walk through the details of her case with law enforcement. Yeah. For all of those reasons. I genuinely love you too. And we have set a record that in the <laughs> first nine episodes of the Papa Ron podcast, we are now the longest. This is now the longest episode. It has exceeded three hours. So we're going to wrap this up by doing so. I want you to take this quick second to um, make any plugs. We've talked about Kelsey's army.org. Is there any social platforms? Is there any events that are coming up? I know you talked about the golf course or the golf tournament. Whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your mind, let's uh, go ahead and, and get it out there now in closing. Yeah, you can find it besides the website. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on LinkedIn. Um, you can find information about her law on Facebook, Kelsey's Law. Um, the plug I would make is just like everything else, we need money. We just got to have money to be able to do the things we do. And as much as I hate asking, you can go to Kelsey'sArmy.org. There's a donate button. Um, and just, you know, we, we have 10,000 followers on Facebook. If everybody on Facebook gave $1, that would help tremendously. Yeah. $1. That's all I'm asking. I don't know how many people listen to this podcast. It might be a couple hundred people, but yeah, I could maybe raise $200 for you. <laughs> 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 that's what I'm ultimately hey, trying to say. better than nothing. 
Hey, thank you guys for being here. I know you got to get up early. You got to be somewhere to uh, to what is it? What was it? You were hosting or? National Sheriff's Association yep. conference. I saw that you brought some things in. Were you wanting to show something? Or oh, did... these are for you. Oh my gosh, you brought gifts. Well, no. Well, you actually, got one thing you wanted to show. Yeah, show me what you got real quick. Oh, there, we won an award. Oh wow! From the National Emergency Number Association, the Presidential Award. Hold that. I don't know if that camera is still on, sure. but hold that up right there, and then. That's why we were in Louisville. Uh, and then show it to that camera right over there. Awesome. Right there? Yeah. There you go. And what was that for? Um, Kelsey's Law. Oh, nice. Because yeah, the, basically the, it's an association of 911 folks, right. operators around the United States, and we won their award for um, helping save lives with the Kelsey Smith Act. I love it. Yep. I love it. Thank you guys so much. I Thank appreciate you. it. This has been, we, I, I want to do this again because I hate, I feel like we, there was so much more we could have talked about that we really didn't get a chance to do. So we're going to wrap it up. This is episode nine of the Papa Ron podcast. I want to thank again, Donovan in San Francisco for helping me with the production elements along with Rich Hunter. I need to also thank Marathon Media Management, my boy Dakota Thurn and Quentin Verlinick with helping with the video portion of this and my guests, Greg and Missy Smith. Thank you for listening to the Papa Ron Podcast. You've been listening to the Papa Ron Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, hit subscribe now and tell your friends on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, and other social platforms. To participate on the show, leave a message with your comments or questions by calling or texting 816-558-6389. That's 816-558-6389. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Papa Ron Podcast. Papa Ron Podcast. Oh.